This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. We're launching here in hour number one. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Quick update to start the show out with tonight. It's one I wish I wasn't telling you about. Uh, We told you a story. Mark, you actually told the story last night of the 17 Chinese Muslims that have been ordered released. It was good news. It sounded like... Something good was actually happening. We like it when good news happens because usually, with the government, yeah, usually lots of good things happening. Otherwise, right? Usually, it's uh, with the government. It's usually just bad news after bad news after police state news after bad news, and well, now there's bad news. The update from CNN: A federal appeals court Wednesday blocked the planned release of 17 Chinese Muslims from the U.S. military facility at Guantanamo Bay, granting the government more time to argue against the plan. A three-judge panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals granted the Bush administration's motion for an emergency stay and set up a schedule for briefings over the next week to address the complicated issues of the case. A day earlier, lower court in Washington had ruled the detainees who had been in U.S. custody for nearly seven years were to be brought to a court by 10 a.m. Friday so a judge could set them free. In an emergency motion filed overnight, these people work overnight when they uh, find it important. I don't imagine you could file a motion overnight. However, the government can. Right. The Justice Department attorney said only the executive branch, not the courts, may decide whether to admit an alien into the United States. Where did the executive branch get that power? Well, I guess they just... Decided they had that power. It's not in the Constitution. The government further argued the lower court's decision to free the detainees threatens serious harm to the interests of the United States and its citizens by mandating that the government release in the nation's capital 17 individuals who engaged in weapons training at a military training camp. Do you mean like our military personnel and retired military personnel, released (laughs) military personnel. I mean, there's all kinds of people in Washington, D.C., and I don't see why the capital is any more important than any other city, by the way, in Washington, D.C., that have engaged in weapons training at a military facility. Didn't the judge that originally released these guys basically say that there wasn't even the slightest shred of a piece of credible, even hearsay-related evidence against these people? That's what he said. But yet this other judge is saying that, well, now these people were at a training camp, and therefore they're a problem. Does that mean were that we they? Can, does that mean that they should lock up everybody who was ever in the United States military, the United States Navy, the United States Air Force, the Coast Guard, the the um, well, there I have been some one. dangerous. Marines. There have been some dangerous, crazy guys that have come out of the the U.S. military. So would seem as legitimate if you want to consider that legitimate. The appeals court's move will halt the release for at least a week. Of course, we'll find out. I guess what happens after the first week is done. We're pleased the Court of Appeals granted our request for a temporary stay, and we look forward to presenting our case. So there's the latest. They've been held back, still going to stay in Guantanamo until further notice. Supposedly as soon as a week, but there's no real definite time period here. This could go on and on. It's a real shame. Yep, so no good news, unfortunately, to report on that case. Uh, Those poor guys are going to continue to stay in illegal custody down in Guantanamo. Your thoughts at 1-800-259-9231. Let's go to your phone calls. You can bring up anything. And we'll start with Tim in Illinois. Tim, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. 
Hey, what's going on, guys? What's on your mind tonight, Tim? Um, well, I'm thinking about going to the Liberty Forum. I really want to go. I want to see Excellent. New Hampshire. The only problem is, is my girlfriend is a complete socialist. Oh, well, now, why is that a problem? I've, I would think that a socialist would be somebody who is ripe to be converted or to be at least given the information which to convert with which to convert to a pro-liberty viewpoint. I mean, after all, most socialists are quite they're very, very. Uh, they want to stay away from the idea of endorsing violence. They don't like guns, for instance, for the most part. And uh, does that is that the case with uh, your socialist girlfriend, or is she a violent socialist? No, no, she is not a violent socialist. However, she comes from a a poor family, and um, so they've received aid in the past, and so mm-hmm. she sees the welfare system as a good thing. She's also um, you know, anti-gun, so she's pro-gun legislation, um, these kinds of things. Does she live on her own? Uh, we are actually moving into our new place on Friday. Did you suggest Did you suggest to her that you guys put a sign outside the house that says this is a gun-free home? <laughs> I did. I did use that. And, and what did she say uh, to she that? She said, go on ahead. And we live in not, we're going to be living in not a very good neighborhood. But so she thinks it's a good idea to put that sign idea, out there? But, she said, go uh, ahead? Wow. Yeah, I'm blown away. Yep, yep. She she just uh, she's a complete socialist. Have you have you shown it. her the gun in the room? I've attempted to, and she she she's very stubborn. She's very set in her ways, and that's why I'm calling to ask you guys if it would be a good idea to maybe try to bring her to the Liberty Forum to see if maybe this will have any impact on her more than you know my own um, you know talking to her. And I'm also trying to listen to the. Uh, the Liberty Market Underground uh, podcast. By the Liberty Mac. Radio Underground, I think. Or, is yeah, yeah. Is. Uh, Liberty Radio Underground, and uh, that's that's that seems to be working a little bit. But uh, so does she? Can't. Does she get like ending the war on drugs? What are some things you guys agree on? Right, the war on drugs. She agrees on that. Um, the police state. She just doesn't see it. She doesn't see the gun in the room. I, I pointed out, and she just. She, she doesn't see the police state? What about uh, what happened to all of her socialist brethren outside of the Democratic and Republican National Conventions? Didn't she see that? She thinks that these things are bad, but she doesn't necessarily – she thinks that they're also potentially necessary. Wow. Well, what do you think, Mark? Should uh, this young lady be brought to the Liberty Forum? I honestly don't know about that. I um, well, for one thing, uh, it's it's not uncommon in a relationship for the uh, the other person to consider you an idiot because uh, <laughs> yep. they, they they see that you made mistakes. You know, they get to see you on a regular basis, and mm-hmm. they see that you've been mistaken before. And you know, the the definition of an expert is somebody from out of town. Well, then so, maybe it would work. You know, the or help. Maybe that's all I can say. Is it? She might have a good time if she came. She never certainly know. See, she would certainly see that there's a real movement here. That it's not just her crazy boyfriend all by himself. Uh, all right. She would also see that there are uh, some other women involved. Uh, she would meet some really, really nice people that really love liberty, and hopefully, she'd meet the more persuasive of them. Uh, and I don't know. I, I can't see how it would really hurt that bad. 
I, I'd love to hear from other people that wanted to chime in on this, who people who've yeah. been to the Liberty Forum, maybe somebody who has brought a family member or a loved one who didn't quite get the Liberty thing to the Liberty Forum and had a good experience, or maybe somebody that had a bad experience. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Of course, we're talking about the New Hampshire Liberty Forum happening in early March. Uh, it's a Free State Project event. Of course, the Free State Project, this, of course, I'm telling to anybody who's brand new tonight, uh, the Free State Project, a movement of... Uh, moving as many thousand thousands of activists as we possibly can all to one geographic region so i'm i'm guessing that you find this idea pretty appealing i mean the idea of the free state project I'm a listener of the show for probably 3 years now and the longer i listen the more i want to go and it's it's you guys are doing amazing things all of you has she been um, has she listened to the show with you I, no, I, I've, I've attempted to kind of to bridge into that as we're riding in the car. Mm-hmm. And I have my iPod on, and oh, hey, you know, listen to this. And she she's not very receptive. So she's very stuck in her way. And yeah. Abused. So when you try to show her the gun in the room, the and that is the idea that everything the government does, whether it's a welfare program or whether it's a war in Iraq, whatever it is, whatever the uh, whatever program the government is promoting. Have you, the the idea of the gun in the room is to show the person that everything they do is backed up by the threat of force. In that, if you don't participate with whatever their program is, if you don't pay taxes to support their welfare program, then you could be hurt. That you could be uh, shot. You could be thrown in a cage. That men with guns are willing to to use those guns to hurt you in order to force you to participate. When you've tried to show her that, you're saying that she uh, just kind of what shrinks away, backs off, doesn't want to talk anymore. What's her response? Well, she just she kind of backs off and she she tries not to hear it. She she tries to to make the best out of it and make it seem legitimate. We have listeners. I want to hang on to you here more with Tim in a moment. We have listeners who were uh, socialists and have come on board with the liberty idea. So maybe some of them can call in with some suggestions here as to how to approach her. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. And it is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They are totally free. And they go back for an entire year right there on the front page of the website. Enjoy on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Do you want to easily update the look of those old cabinets or that old set of drawers? Well, InnerKnobs.com offers a wide variety of knobs and pulls for every taste and budget. Save 10% on your order by using the code FTL to check out. That's InnerKnobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. Or see their banner at freetalklive.com. Again, InnerKnobs.com. Calm. As we go back here to Tim, who is in Illinois, Tim has a problem. A problem that I would think that you could relate to at least somewhat, Mark. Uh, your wife was a Democrat at one time, not a, and not an avowed socialist, but eh, there's some similarities. So, Tim, you're back on the show here, and how long have you been with this young lady? Uh, a little over six months now. Okay, six months. So I would say a relatively new relationship. You've been with her. Have you seen her shift her viewpoint at all, or is she just completely stuck in the mud? 
No, I mean, I've gotten her to agree with me on things that at the beginning of our relationship she didn't agree on, like the war on drugs. I've pressed that really hard because that's probably one of the easiest topics to really push on um, as far as starting towards liberty. That's where I started. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen her viewpoint change uh, slightly over the past six months. All right, this is good news. Yeah, I, I have to say that, um, you know, with with my wife, we would uh, – this was honestly before the show was uh, even, uh, you know, really going on. At least it wasn't, it wasn't nationally syndicated six nights a week at that time. And we'd go for long walks at the uh, sort of the beginning of our relationship when we started living together and that kind of thing. And we'd talk about these things. And she was sure that I'm a big – I was a big mouth idiot. And the – the idea that uh, you know I would switch over, you know, that, that I would convert her to whatever my uh, my philosophy was, made her feel weak. I think, um, you know, there was mm. these eyes, these ideas out there, and certainly a great deal of people in the world are going to do a poor job managing their money. And this is kind of the idea of many of the socialists out there that people are too dumb to handle life on 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 their own and. You know, I don't doubt for a second that there would be people that didn't plan for their retirement. Um, there would be people out there that did a poor, you know, did a poor job, ended up uh, poverty stricken and, and, and had a bad situation because of it. But um, I think that for one thing, you'd see people with you'd see stronger family ties in a, uh, you know, in a world where the government uh, didn't pick up, you know, uh, have the safety net. You'd see people more connected in social groups because those social groups protect you. My church will do will do whatever they have to in order to take care of church members that have financial problems. Um, and then lesser so for people of the community at large. But if you're a church member, oh, heck, they're going to do something. Um, you know, they're going to do whatever it takes to, uh, to, to get you some money. So... Uh, you know, so I, I'm I understand her point there. However, I never really converted her on any one issue. I just talked about these things, um, you know, time and again. You know, just different times. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd slide them in. I became less forceful in pushing my point um, and tried to be, you know, just more persuasive. I wouldn't get to the point where she had to say yes or no. I wouldn't put her in box her into a corner. I just kind of talked about things off the top of my head and, um, you know, sort of thought out loud, as it were. And over time, those things worked. So 1-800-259-9231 is the number here. I want to go to a phone call. Uh, we've got Mark on the line in Ohio. Mark, you are on with Tim. Mark in Ohio. Hello, yes. Yes. Hey there. Uh, I, I, uh, I've got a question. Or, um, well, I've got this. Tim, if it came down to martial law, uh, and would she be willing to leave the area with you uh, to go to safety, or would she listen to the government and put you in danger? I guess that would be my question to ask her. If if she's not willing to go with you, um and for what martial law and, and what the new world order is coming to, I think I would find someone else who is more agreeable, uh, compatible with your thoughts. <laughs> Thanks, Mark, for the and, call. Yes. Tim, go ahead. Tim? To be completely honest, I think, I think uh, we would part ways at that point. Hmm. Um, to be honest, I think she would probably listen to the strong hand of the government. 
So, so you've presented the idea of the gun in the room where the government could hurt you if you don't obey, uh, and I presume you've tied it into an issue that you're concerned with her not agreeing with you on, like welfare. You know, for instance, uh, I can give money to charities as I wish, and if I withdraw my money from a private charity like United Way or the Salvation Army or something like that, you, they don't send bums with guns after you to uh, to hurt you. But if you withdraw your money from the government system and the government welfare program, because maybe you, for instance, don't like the idea of supporting an organization that has a 70% overhead, and you'd rather give money to an organization with a 30% overhead, uh, for whatever the reason is, she has uh, you presented that to her, and she's she's basically rejected that that whole concept out of hand. Yeah, I mean, let me, let me put this instance out there. Um, we're gonna be moving in less than a week, or like a week from now, mm-hmm. um, and we're gonna be pretty tight on money for a while, mm-hmm. like the next like month or two until we kind of get settled in and everything. And um, she's brought up, hey, why don't we just go on, you know. Get a little bit of aid for oh, food boy. and stuff. And as a principal, you know, person that I am, I said absolutely not, absolutely not. I would rather starve or buy, you know, eat off, live off ramen for the next two months until we get on our feet. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "But why? You know, you pay into it. Yeah, at the force of a gun. You know, and I and I that's that's how I kind of started that. And she she thinks totally that since we pay into it, we're totally, um, you know obliged to have it. Well, I'm not and sure that, that I disagree with her on on, on that. That's a legitimate point. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I disagree. I don't think that if the, uh, the the big thug that's stealing money from you is giving out dollar bills in the middle of town square, that you would be wrong in going to get some of those dollar bills. I think that the big thug that's stealing the money is the one who's wrong. Um, but I understand where you're coming from. I wouldn't be able to do this libertarian show or whatever, this uh, liberty-minded show, and take aid. Right. Well, by taking the aid, you are, to some extent, encouraging the thug and by taking the aid uh, at the same time by, by taking the aid you're basically uh, you, you're legitimizing the system so it's it's a good right. idea to not take it and at the same time also if you take the aid it can create an entitlement mentality um, it can make you feel as though that you should continue to take the aid and what's worse I think is that you have to bow down you really have to bow down to the thug because then the thug standing in town square can say well I'll give you this dollar but you have to jump up and down 25 times you have to you know bend over kiss my boot uh, and, and obviously the the government welfare department is going to make you do things like that but they will have things that they want you to do you're going to have to show them all your income you're going to have to let them in your house at any time of the day or night or whatever other strictures they might put on to that. Uh, I want to bring you back here and continue this discussion because I think it's in- interesting, and I know there are a lot of people that, uh, if you can hang on, uh, yeah, I, I, I want to c- continue this. You've got a call here. If you want to dial in and talk to Tim, 800-259-9231. Maybe you've got a suggestion for him. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything, just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. 
And Mark? You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and the features include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Travel less. Meet online. Try WebEx for free. Go to webex.com and enter promo code 600. Get a free trial of WebEx and a free webcam. That's webex, W-E-B-E-X dot com. Enter promo code 600. Start your free trial of WebEx today. All right, 800-259-9231. We started things out here. Uh, we're talking actually to Tim in Illinois. I'm going to bring him back on the line. He's encountering an issue, a personal problem that... Unfortunately, a lot of uh, liberty-minded males encounter. They will find themselves a lovely young lady who is probably great in a number of different ways, except the whole part about loving socialism. Uh, And that's the problem that you've been encountering with your girlfriend of six months, who it sounds like you're getting ready to move out. You're going to move in with her for the very first time coming up here shortly. Is that correct, Tim? Right. We're getting our own place. So what? tell us, before we go on, I've got another phone call for you, but before we go on, tell us some of the things that are great about this girl. Um, she's a lot of fun. Um, she always makes me smile. I mean, she's, she's just really great. She's a really nice girl. Um, my parents love her. My whole family loves her. My daughters love her. So it's, it's really good. So she's worth working on then. She's not somebody you want to just kick to the curb and, 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 and move on or, or find somebody else. Exactly. All right, I'm going to bring Dave in here. Dave, listening to WAIS in Athens, Ohio. Dave, you're on with Tim. Having experienced both sides of the coin, uh, have you took her to friends that have been on the other side of the coin and uh, have been treated badly by the government? Um, she she doesn't really have a lot of friends that have you know been busted for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know she she's been pulled over a couple times. You know. We're we're both kind of freaks. We got you know big gauged ears and piercings mm-hmm. and stuff. So we've been we've been you know pulled over and harassed in in certain ways. And um, you know she she always just says you know oh well you know we we probably just look strange. They're just doing their job, you know. Hmm. Dave, any other thoughts? My best side is to educate her, but. That might not work neither. I, I agree with I agree with uh, Dave. Okay. I I think that uh, it, this is not something that's going to be done overnight. No, You're not certainly gonna, not. Um, she's she's too strong of a personality to defeat in a conversation. Well, you don't want if you have a defined belief system. I mean, if you believe in socialism, if you're not just the average Democrat or Republican that's just sort of been told a few things. If you're a real dyed in the wool commie or a, or a socialist, you don't want to believe. You don't want to come to the understanding that your belief system is wrong. Isn't that cognitive? dissonance there where yes. uh, you, you know that's right. not a feeling that people want to understand Dave thanks for the suggestion right. it was a good one and here's another suggestion do you does she like to read Tim I'm sorry what was that does uh, does your girlfriend like to read she does she loves to read all right now do you guys read together or is it a sort of a separate occasion separate activity uh, it's something that I've tried to do in the past but our work schedules don't work out that we have a lot of time you know to sit down and do that while we're other do- doing other things could, so. could could you make a deal with her <laughs> yeah, like a trade you... like a book trade where you'll read a book that she recommends and you and she could read a book that you recommend namely healing our world by dr. Mary Ruart that would be a great idea yeah I think that that's that's definitely a good way to um, to go about it and I think that she, what she needs to do is she needs to hear the message from more than one location. Um, she needs it, 
libel, um, you know, when it comes from more than one location, it'll be delivered in different fashions. Um, and she needs to have time. She needs to be able to decide on her own issue by issue that this is, you know, this is true here, this is true there, and then she'll be able to apply the principles, um, you know, as she gains the principles, she'll be able to apply them on different issues, and she'll move faster through the issues. For somebody that appreciates, uh, for, for somebody that's interested in helping the downtrodden, I don't think there is any better book than Healing Our World by Dr. Mary Ruart. You can order a copy, I believe, over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com if you don't already have one. Highly recommend that book. I think it is so persuasive and so brilliantly um, paints the picture in people's minds about how government truly is force, and that all of the things that the people that want to help others can that want they want to accomplish can be accomplished much more effectively by using the free marketplace and voluntary consensual means. I think that if she goes through that book, she'll have a real if not a complete paradigm shift, she'll have a real several aha moments, and it'll certainly help prepare her for going to something like the Liberty Forum. I mean, if you're going to go to the Liberty Forum anyway, if she's read Healing Our World prior to that, I think she'd be much more receptive to meeting some of the people there who no doubt are not going to be as persuasive as Ms. Ruart. And I wonder, did Mary Ruart wasn't there last year, was she? It was Sharon Harris that went last year, Yeah, right? Mary Ruart wasn't there. I wonder if she'll be announced this year. I don't know. I don't know if I've heard any rumors yet on that, but there's certainly a possibility. So that would be kind of cool, right? Like if you yeah. – um, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if you were to put this book in her hands and she was to read it and then if she was to like what it said, then you could say, hey, Mary Ruart's going to be at the Liberty Forum. Now, again, I'm not saying she is. I don't right. know. I don't know. But I know that she didn't get the libertarian presidential pick, and there's uh, yeah, there's a good chance she's being approached. That's uh, I think that's all I can say at this moment. So hopefully that'll help. I think I'm about out of ideas for tonight. Mark, anything else? No, I think that uh, we pretty much covered it. It's going to take time. Yep. Tim, let us know. Will you call back per- uh, periodically and give us uh, status updates on this whole situation? Certainly. I mean, she's she's not completely hopeless. She agrees that universal health care is a bad idea, and she agrees hey, that step in the right we direction. no longer have a capitalism, it's a mercantilism. So Okay, good. She, uh, Huge steps. She's not completely hopeless. All right, very good. Well, stay positive and uh, try that book trade out and see how that works. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tim, for the call. Appreciate it. I hope it works out. I I would love for people to stay together and continue on and grow and and learn about liberty together and get active together. I think that's I think that's a wonderful vision. Well, it's it, it, I suppose you know uh, um, you know hand in hand uh, uh, signboard and signboard uh, bringing down the government, right? You know, <laughs> no. I, I for me that that that's not how my life goes. Um, my wife understands the principles, understands they're important to me is probably, you know, it, it believes in libertarian stuff yeah. by, by and large, but when, when she strays back, she strays Democrat. When I stray back, I stray Republican. And, uh, you know... Why are you straying back, anyway? Well, because What's wrong I, with you? One gets scared. Because <laughs> well, you aren't presented with liberty options in this world, you know? I see. So when I'm t- so you're for saying instance, if- in this election, if she, you know, if she votes for president, she's going to vote for Barack Obama. So you're saying that uh, if you can get her to the but point of... she voted for Ron Paul in the uh, primary. You're saying that if you can get her to the point of getting it on most issues to the point where you can actually move to New Hampshire, then you've really done a pretty good job. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to your phone calls. Unscreen to the amp line. Who is this? Uh, it's uh, Johnson. Hey, Johnson. What's on your mind tonight? 
Hey, can you guys actually hear me pretty good? There's there's some difficulty in the amp line. I was actually hoping to come on on hold, but uh, yeah, we've been have having some problems recently. I don't know what they are. I've been trying to figure them out, um, but we can hear you fine. So go ahead. Okay. Well, I just wanted to the point that I was going to make about uh, I think it was Tim is his name. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, the the point that I was going to bring up is just you know to the the main thing to focus on i guess if you're going to have a discussion i think you're you're i was the first thing i was going to say is suggest is Mary Roth's book and you guys got to it so i think that's great uh, the other thing that i was going to suggest in in conversations is to just always focus and this is i think you know relevant to any sort of uh, libertarian conversation is rather than having an argument or a debate about it is to just always focus on the aspect of force and the aspect of violence and just, you know, again, focus on, you know, hey, you're not a violent person and making sure that, you know, you point out the gun, but don't put it in that person's hands and, you know, make sure that she's aware of that, you know, aware of where, you know, that belief system leads. I, th- I think it's a good point. Point out the gun uh, consistently. Don't put it in their hands. Obviously, they don't want to be tied to the violence, and they certainly don't want to see violence enacted on their loved ones. So you can keep bringing it around to that. I think it's a good suggestion. I thank you, Johnson, for the call. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Coming up here, apparently, Arizona looking at secession. We'll talk about that here in moments and take your calls about whatever you want. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free. Enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site, or excuse me, uh, all the features on the site are free, but Amazon not free. You're going to have to pay for stuff there. <laughs> you go to amazon.freetalklive.com, load up your shopping cart, and check out. You'll get great deals on the products and the brands that you trust. You'll get free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of items. And you'll feel good because you know that a percentage of your purchase, and actually fairly decent percentage, is going to Free Talk Live. So get shopping over at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com as we continue with your calls about what you want. Jim, in, in Kansas, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jim. Jim, hey, Kansas. Um, I, just got a, yeah, I just got an interesting email a couple of days ago from uh, Bernard Von Nothaus. Did you get that same email about how he's opening up a new church? <laughs> yeah, somebody called in, uh, told us about it before it actually hit my inbox Apparently, he's opening the Free Marijuana Church, where he will... It's going to apparently happen in Hawaii, where he's retired. Uh, This is uh, Bernard von Nothaus from the Liberty Dollar, the creator of the Liberty Dollar. And so he's apparently going to have a system where you'll go to his church. He'll give you a hit off of a a bong or pipe of marijuana or something like that. And then you'll go into a room and lay down and be with God or something like that. Very interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. It kind of it caught, caught me off guard. I mean, I got a message from a, you know, a liberty activist, and all of a sudden I started talking about God. So I had to check it out because, you know, being a cult researcher and everything, it seemed kind of vague what he was getting at. And then right on the plane open, he was just saying that he was going to start handing out free marijuana. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> how long How long exactly do you think that will last? I don't know, but I wish him – were you converted upon just hearing about it? Like, hallelujah, did you have a moment? Uh, no, 
I, I <laughs> consider myself an atheist. <laughs> so uh, those conversion for legality might be an interesting idea. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's an interesting approach. I mean, he isn't selling the marijuana, and he's right. he's not giving out a whole bunch of it. He's not really giving out enough to get most people high. So very strange situation. I think it's an interesting it's an interesting approach to activism. And mm-hmm. uh, apparently he's ready for this. You know, he's to the point in his life where he's retired from uh, the Liberty Dollar. He doesn't have apparently any other responsibilities to deal with. So he's ready to, to venture off into the area of civil disobedience. And I, I support him on it. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I, hope it, I hope it works out. However, um, I was an ex-socialist myself. And uh, one of the things that um, – well, I wouldn't call myself – well, I would have called myself a socialist now, but I wouldn't call myself a socialist then. I was actually a Green Party member. And one of the things that um, really got me to start changing, uh, aside from uh, Penn and Teller's show, was um, the fact that I was in California, and I was saying, well, you know, the government, there's so many things that government should do, because there's, there's only so many jobs that are too big that only the government can do, like take care of the uh, environment. And uh, living in Southern California and seeing the smog every day, it uh, kind of breaks down that that mentality, you know, and it's just it's just small steps that I think that that he's going to have to take over a long period of time. There's not going to be a book that she's going to read and be like, "Oh, I was wrong this whole time." Because people admitting that they're wrong, uh, it just rarely ever happens. It usually takes a gradual, slow thing, you know, issue by issue, and then they start coming to the realization, you know what? Maybe government doesn't do a good job at all. I agree with you. I think it, I think you and Mark are correct. It is going to be a process. However, I do have to say that Mary Ruart's book is really one of those blow-you-away style books. Have you ever read it? Um, actually, it's on my uh, wish list at Amazon. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've got it. Um, I, I, I own it. I haven't read it in, in, in even close to its entirety. I've paged through it. I've read a little, little bits here and there. When you read her stories, I mean, her real-life stories, both from her experience and citations that she, she's got all kinds of citations, uh, her real-life stories of people who've been hurt, the people that the government is intending to help, she shows how the government hurts them. If you're somebody that cares about the downtrodden and cares about others, there's no way you can take those stories and possibly come out of it, in my opinion at least, and say, well, that's what should have happened, because it's out, absolutely outrageous. Uh, you know, one of my favorite examples that I've used so many times on this program is the the little girl, the 15-year-old girl uh, living in an urban neighborhood that decided to start her own hair braiding business, got a little, little yeah, bit of news coverage over that story, and then a few days later, the bureaucrat showed up to shut her down because she's, she's unlicensed. It's unsafe. Yeah, that's, you know? It's one of the things that, that really works well with people um, is to show how the government doesn't work, especially with socialists that want the government to do this and do that. Um, my mother-in-law is visiting in town, and I she was saying something something regarding what the government should be doing with this bailout, something or other. And I had the opportunity to say, but look, this is what happens every single time. As a matter of fact, here's what she said. She wanted the government to set up a situation where uh, it would buy homeowners' houses, um, buy their mortgages out, and then set the price at, at the, the market rate and then refinance at a lower rate. And wanted the government essentially to go in the loan business and lose a bunch of money. And they did like, that with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mae, didn't they? Uh, pr- pretty close, but do it, let's do it again. Yeah. It didn't. They didn't do it right. Let's do it again. <laughs> yeah. And so set it up, um, set this up, and and I'm like, but look, the big bankers and the people with lots of money and who have money to buy lobbyists, they're the ones who get to control this government apparatus. No matter what, 
We're never going to be the ones that get to control it. Never, ever, ever. Are you going to be the one? I don't care how good your idea is. Are you going to be the one to control it? It's always going to be somebody with more money and more power that's going to twist the system every single time to their ends. So what you need to do is take the gun away from them. Yeah, and even if you do have control, there's going to be someone else who says, maybe we should tack on this addendum to it, and that, that just completely ruins it from, from the get-go. Yep. So, Thanks, Jim, for the, the suggestions tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. 1-800-259-9231. It's certainly no easy task. Uh, it is definitely a challenge to help somebody understand why liberty is the better choice when all of their lives they have been told that government is necessary for this and that and government we need government for you know to provide these various different functions especially when you've got the news media out there parroting what the government claims i mean i heard a i heard a claim on the radio this morning about how the uh, the free market has failed the steve forbes right who's supposedly some financial whiz yeah. he's on, he's getting on the radio talking about how well sometimes when the patient is sick, you need to bring in the defibrillator and it doesn't matter what brand name the defibrillator is or whatever, suggesting that the free market was sick and that we need the government to come in and give it a little jump to get it back going. I don't know that I necessarily believe that that's, from what you're saying there, that example, I don't know that that necessarily if he said the free market failed here. That's what he was saying. I, I was paraphrasing essentially what he said. He said the free market was the sick patient and it doesn't matter what brand of defibrillator you bring in, suggesting that the government could come in and jumpstart the free market again, that the government could come in and fix the free market. To suggest that there even is a free market to be fixed is complete poppycock. It's well, nonsense. To some extent, the free market was existing within the government terrarium that they had built, and it it's put not cracks... Free. Well, it's as long as there is control by the market men was with reacting guns. within the government ter- terrarium. Is that fine with you? Okay, because the, yes. Yeah, okay, fine. So the market was reacting within this government terrarium. It put some cracks in the the glass of the terrarium, and you know it's going to do that because it's going to essentially the market's going to try to tear down the restrictions. People don't look at it that way. They look at and obviously some of those some of the ways that it's going to try to tear down the restrictions and bring down home prices back to where they would belong and that kind of thing. It's going to cause some people some pain, and they don't want that pain. Well, the problem is is that you set up the terrarium in the first place. Yeah. So there's just so much misinformation being thrown around out there, and so the free marketplace is just being torn up in the media and there's very few people that are going to get out there and defend a true free market because even the people that use the terminology free market don't accurately utilize it so it's no surprise that we have this problem with people our loved ones our friends and our family members just not getting it and then when you're the only one in their life that's telling them something different you seem like a crackpot loon so i think that I think that exposing these people to these messages of liberty as consistently and as understandably and as persuasively as possible is important. And to that end of persuasion, I'd like to make another suggestion to Tim earlier and anybody else in the situation where they have a loved one who's having trouble getting the whole liberty idea. Brush up on your persuasion skills, uh, because one of the things that you don't really necessarily know when you first discover liberty is how to effectively communicate it to others. So go to theadvocates.org. It's the Advocates for Self-Government. Great organization. In fact, Dr. Ruart, who we uh, we talked about earlier, she's a member of the Advocates. She helps out with those guys. She puts out books. Uh, The Advocates publishes her books. Anyway, uh, the Advocates, well, they publish some of her books. 
and the advocates de- are dedicated to helping liberty-minded people become more effective at communicating their ideas, being more effective at persuading people to our side. So it's a great way to go and brush up on your skills or create skills if you don't have any whatsoever, because it can be challenging, especially if you're talking to somebody that, that you care about because you want so badly to bring them on that you may overlook some of the more persuasive methods in favor of some sort of brute force method, which is not going to create the results you're looking for. So do a little brushing up, do a little learning, uh, expand your own mind first, and then see what you can do. More on the way. Hour 2 is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with the very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized a contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231, as we launch here at hour number two of the program. That's 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right back into your calls. We go to Andy, listening in Michigan. Andy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey, Andy, what's on your mind? Hello. Hey, you're here. We're here. Go ahead. I'm having a hard time hearing you guys. So I'm sorry. It sounds like you got your window down. Can you roll that up? Might that help? Thank you. Okay. Here you are. Go ahead. Oh, oh now we're having trouble hearing you. Let's I put him back why. on hold. All right. We're going to put him Losing back on cell, hold. Bad cell phone, unfortunately. We'll, we'll try him back in a little bit. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. I know because our phone screener did get a little information. We don't ask much when our callers call in, but I know Andy was intending to talk about secession. So let's preface his return, Mark, by going to the story you have about Arizona and apparently a handful of other states, maybe more than a handful that are actually there's legislation either being proposed or has already been passed that says that secession's a possibility? This here. is from Freedom's Phoenix. Um, Mark Chung sends a very interesting tidbit of information covering the Arizona Bill HCR 2034. Uh, more specifically, the bill covers the uh, situation in which the U.S. government declares martial law, then Arizona will join 34 or more of the states and declare their own independence from the Union. Interesting, especially with the election time around the corner and conspiracies about Bush-Cheney empire would do something in order to declare martial law to avoid the election. And so there's here's the text of H.R. 2034, and I've read it, and it's not as bad and, and difficult to read as much legislation is. Okay. Uh, that when that when the President of the United States, the Congress of the United States, or any other federal agent or agency declares the Constitution of the United States to be suspended or abolished, if the President or any other federal entity attempts to institute martial law or its equivalent without an official declaration, 
in one or more of the states without the consent of that state or if any federal order attempts to make it unlawful for individual Americans to own firearms or to confiscate hmm. firearms, that the federal government, I guess, the state of Arizona, when joined by... Uh, when joined by 34 of the other 50 states, declares as follows. Uh-oh, this looks a little different than I had uh, um, first seen. That the states resume all state powers delegated by the Constitution of the United States and assume total sovereignty that the uh, states re-ratify and re-establish the present Constitution of the United States as the charter for the formation of a new federal government to be oh, followed. Oh, that's not secession. That's like a reset. Well, it's better than nothing. Yeah, well, okay. Keep going. <laughs> um, to be followed by the election of a new Congress and president and the reorganization of a new judiciary, similar to the following precedent and procedures of the founding fathers, that individual members of the military return to their respective states and report to the governor until a new president is elected, and that each state assumes a negotiated Pro, um, proportion share of the national debt and that all land within the borders of the state belong to the states until what a sold. dumb idea what an awful idea the idea that the state should assume the national debt you don't really owe that that debt's not real it's never going to be paid back it's it's physically impossible to pay that back i agree that, the, that they should not assume the national debt <laughs> Look, if the if the federal government's going to crash and burn, uh, then the <laughs> what comes next, as far as dollars are concerned, are going to be completely different, right? I mean, if the federal government is just uh, goners, then if even if they create a new government, it's probably not going to be printing out the same old dollars that used to be print out. So how are you going to figure out what the conversion rate is there if the dollars don't exist anymore? Well, uh, maybe I just don't know. What I didn't about get that. about this the first two times that I read the story was that uh, I, I kind of was under the impression that 34 states already had rules like this on their books and that Arizona was joining them. However, it That's says so. when joined by 34 of the other 50 states. Oh, so, so I guess that 34 more states must have legislation like this in no. order for this legislation to kick in. Oh, you're saying they must have it, not meaning that they do have it, but in order for the... I see, yes. So if this, if this legislation passes, and it's, this is just a proposal, right? This is just a proposed bill? Yes, correct. This so is a bill. If this legislation passes in Arizona, then similar legislation will also have to be on the books in over 34 other states in order for Arizona to go ahead with these plans. Otherwise, I guess if there's martial law, they'll just take it, right? I guess. So I mean, sad. That, yeah. Yeah, not real secession. Oh, well, I was excited for a moment there. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. I guess if you want the real thing, you're just going to have to come here to New Hampshire or uh, you know, someplace at else least, where there's a real secession. At movement. the very, very least, there are state legislatures talking about secession. It's, okay. There's a lot of caveats to this secession. They may secession. not understand what the definition is, but... Well, a little, a little something is better than nothing, I suppose. All they're, all they're claiming is that they're going to take the founding documents and start over, and well, to some extent, start over. They're going to take the national debt, and, but uh, at, you, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have at, as many problems as we have. It's better than dealing with the martial law. So, actually, speaking of secession, Mark, I guess you and I have both recently come across some sort of conference. Uh, the Middlebury Institute is having another one of their yearly secession conferences. We've discussed them in the past on the program. They've usually been held in Vermont. 
Uh, so this year, for whatever reason, they're having it in New Hampshire, which is pretty cool. Perhaps they know that New Hampshire is going to be the free state. I, I don't know why they're having it here, but they're going to, and you and I are going to be attending. So that should be fun. Right. It's uh, November the 14th, 15th, and 16th in Manchester, New Hampshire, the third North American secessionist convention. We are not broadcasting live. We are only attending the conference, just to point Correct. out. Correct. I mean, they haven't, you know, they, they didn't suggest anything like that. And, and right. Well, they'd have going. to pay. That they, that they would. And considering they're not charging for their event, odds are they can't afford us. Well, Not that we're that expensive. Not, not but really. Odds are, but, you they know, can't. I, I don't know what they... I have no idea of any of these things. Right. They, I don't know what to they expect They said welcome. Either. That's all. Right. I don't know what to expect either. I've never been to one of these before. I know nope. that last year and the year before that, some free staters did go up. They kind of carpooled up to Vermont and Burlington, they attended. Yeah. And they had good things to say. Well, one was in Chattanooga, by the oh, way. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, they had good things to say about it. But what you what you'll I think what I'm expecting to see here uh, from what I understand of the various different secession movements around the country is that when you're talking about a secession movement, it's not necessarily about liberty. It's about getting out from under the thumb of the federal government, which I fully support. But at the same time, many of these people that are for secession may very well be even more controlling and more despotic than some of the people in the federal government. They may have their own ideas for what that you know what sort of kingdom they would like to reign over, and they feel as though the federal government is getting in their way. I mean, one example might be the the Christian Exodus group down in South Carolina. I don't know if they're officially a secessionist group, but just as an example of a of a group that's interested in more control, these are people that want to move a bunch of uh, fundamentalist Christians together so they can create their own little Christian plot of land and, you know, make whatever sort of crazy rules up that they want to and not have to deal with the federal government in regards to them. So so just because someone's a secessionist doesn't necessarily mean that they love liberty. Well, the they free can state still be project, allies. The but, Free State Project is not, is not a secessionist movement either. No, it's true. But there are a lot of people in the Free State Project that like the idea. You and I being uh, a pair of them. Right. So we'll be there. Uh, hopefully it'll be worthwhile and we'll certainly let you know that night when... When we're there, I think that's in mid-November, is that right? Yeah, um, we're going to be going on the Saturday, so it's uh, November the 15th. You know, here's a man that might want to consider actually seceding, personal secession, which I happen to be a fan of that idea. Instead of begging state government people to do it for you, just secede on your own. He calls himself the Squirrel Man. You heard of this guy, Mark? Squirrel Man? I have no idea what you're talking about. SeattlePI.com reporting, Squirrel Man knows the end is near. A little more than a week ago, this is actually a fairly old story, city workers arrived unannounced and put pink ribbon survey stakes around the cluster of trees that hold his home. Then, Friday, the city dispatched social workers to tell him about shelters a man with pets can't use and treatment programs that a light drinker doesn't need. You know, this may be a story that you'd want to share with your socialist girlfriend if, uh, if you have one to show how government that's supposed to be helping people is, in point of fact, throwing people out of their homes. In this case, Squirrel Man. They told him officials plan to evict him from his treehouse in the vacant lot under the interstate. Vacant lot under the interstate. That makes me believe that it's not, in fact, his um, plot of land, right? It's no one's plot of land, but at the same time, it's everyone's plot of land. Public land, okay. And it is his house. They asked him, why don't you come down for, won't you come down for good? But Squirrel Man says he doesn't have anywhere else to go. On Monday at 9 a.m., when the Seattle Department of Transportation posted a lime green 48-hour eviction notice on his hand-cobbled gate, telling him that he and his elaborate platform better disappear, Squirrel Man didn't come down. We'll give you the rest of his story coming up here in moments. 800-259-9231 is the sacred... 
Cakel CAI toll-free line. It's about homesteading. That's what this issue is about. It's about the idea of public property and who really owns it. And we'd love your thoughts as well. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com is the place to go. All the features are free, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system, where you'll find over 400,000 posts. There's an awful lot to talk about there. Get interactive with... A bunch of our listeners, uh, I think a couple thousand people are members there. That doesn't mean they all post, of course. Uh, but there are a lot of things to discuss, everything from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That again, bbs.freetalklive.com. We mentioned the Free State Projects Liberty Forum earlier in the program. I'd like to encourage you to attend and bring a loved one that might not totally get the liberty thing to, so they can see that you're not the only crackpot out there. Uh, go to free, uh, freestateproject.org slash libertyforum and use the discount code 2009FTL to get a 10% discount off the already low early bird price of $199. In a room full of cracked pots. It's the whole pot that looks stupid. You will have a hell of a time. If you've never been before, you should come to this. It's just going to keep getting better year after year as more people attend, more uh, distinguished liberty-oriented luminaries attend and speak. You'll get to meet hundreds of liberty activists, many of whom already live here in New Hampshire, many of whom are planning to come. Some of them are considering to come to New Hampshire. And it really is a great time. Lots of uh, notable folks are going to be there. We can run down that list at a later time, but I want to recommend you go to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to become apprised of the situation and get signed up now while you can get the early bird discount. The 10% off, I think, will always be good, but the discounted price is not going to be good for long. As soon as they announce the first keynote speaker, I believe that's going away. You'll be sad. Yeah, so save some money, get signed up now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. We're going to come back and talk more about the squirrel man, but Andy is back on the line. We're going to try Andy again. I'm told his line has cleared up. You're back on Free Talk Live. Hello, Andy. Hey, guys. Hey, sounding much better. What's on your mind tonight? Um, well, I just wanted to real quick insert my point about secession. Yes, sir. And and that is that um, there yes. is... A lobbying firm in in Washington that's that I mean the, I don't know if it's just this one this one but they're, they're going to ruin it for for everybody all the young people and that would be the AARP hmm. and they come out in support of national service they came out in support of the the bailout bill right and it gets right down to uh, I know they're serving their constituency and it, it's what the government has done. To our economy, they have driven a wedge between the generations. Yep. Well, and this is what government are... does best. They dr- drive wedges between all kinds of different uh, subsets of people. And they government exists to 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 pit one another, uh, to pit people against each other's throats, and and to try to convince them that it's the other interest groups that are the enemy instead of the government itself. Well, there are enough old people who are. Totally depending on a government handout to yeah. to be old and continue to be, that I just don't see any way for the federal government to to well I, I guess conceptually it couldn't function anyway, but it's it's 
it's bad. There's no way. There's no way out of that. There's no political. I don't think there's any political way out. You're not going to be able to. I agree with you. I don't think you're going to be able to walk into Washington D.C. and put forth some piece of legislation to free some state from the union. And it may even be difficult to get it to happen politically on a state level. But it's certainly much more tangible there. Uh, I think that's why I think what we're going to need to see happen is individual personal secession on a, such a large scale that there's not a damn thing the AARP can do about it besides bitch and moan. I mean, because if enough people withdraw their support, if enough people withdraw their consent from this government apparatus, if they stop paying and they stop participating and they stop obeying, then... They can't really do anything about it. They don't have – I know there are a lot of prison cells in this country, but for the moment, there a lot of them are full with drug users. So really, they can't do much about it. If enough people were to stop participating, if only 1% to 5% of people were to overtly uh, stop and make it public, publicly known that they are no longer consenting to the system, I think it would all be uh, – it'd be done. I mean, be curtains session would have, yeah, be curtains. I know a lot of old people. And, and a lot of them are, are loved ones of mine, and I, I, I love them, and I, they're, a lot of them are great people. Mm-hmm. And it, it really hurts me to have to tell them, you know, you are stealing from me, and you're stealing from my children. Well, they're not stealing. They're now, it's not stealing when you accept stolen they, goods. They're, <laughs> they're endorsing it. Okay. They've yeah, got their you, little lobby you, that goes to Washington and endorses this stuff. They're, they're stealing. Are they I'm members sorry, of the, they are, just are. Are they members of the AARP? I mean, oh, just about everybody who's okay. over 55 is. Just about. Yeah. Well, in that case, they uh, they certainly are, and they should be ashamed of themselves. However, they were raised, uh, as we all were, in a culture uh, where people are taught and indoctrinated that this is the right thing to do, that government is yeah. okay and it's good, and it's just time we started saying, no, it's not, and we aren't going to participate anymore, and if you don't like it, you can pound your fists and stomp your feet all you want. Now, we'll help you on a voluntary basis if you need to get some sort of assistance. I'd be happy to help people that need assistance on a voluntary basis. Just don't threaten me. I don't appreciate being threatened. That's all, and but I don't think the, that's unreasonable. The stigmatism of the poorhouse is also... Are you there? I'm here, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, the, the stigmatism of the poorhouse as being such an awful and terrible thing is, is also uh, it contributed a lot to a lot of the problems we have. Well, what do you want? You want to live in the poorhouse? Well, you know, 100 years ago, a lot of people did live in the poorhouse, and that was just the way it was because people who couldn't properly take care of themselves had to ask other people to do it. And the people didn't have this entitlement mentality, and the whole entitlement mentality has has basically destroyed whatever semblance of a free market we had because they enable it. And the AARP, I think, is a big part of that. I think you're right, and I thank you for the call tonight. And glad you called back, and we got your line cleared up because it was worth it. Thank you. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, you know, I certainly don't want to see grandchildren at their grandparents, uh, you know, attacking their grandparents or vice versa. I don't want to drive a wedge between generations or anything like that. But if somebody wants to act like they're entitled and they want to throw a hissy fit over the fact that uh, somebody that they love has had, has had it with this governmental system, then they've got some issues they need to deal with. It's their problem. Well, um, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I think that, you know, uh, the Johnson, the caller that uh, earlier made a, a great point is you don't want to put the gun in their hand necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, because it makes people def- more defensive. And by saying you're stealing, that doesn't it, it doesn't help entirely. Well, the organization they support is doing the dirty work right. for them, right? 
Uh, it's easy to collect the checks, but to actually go out and rob your next-door neighbor, none of those folks would do that. Your grandparents aren't going to go down the street house to house, stick a gun in the face of all their neighbors and demand money because they, you know, they need a trip to the doctor this week. They would never do something like that. But if the government does it, well, then it's okay because then all the violence is, is obscured because very rarely does the government have to get violent. Most people pay taxes on a voluntary basis. Right. Does a guy who's um, come up on the, uh, you know, the street uh, with a baseball bat who's slapping it on his hand and says, give me your wallet, has he gotten violent? <laughs> I mean, he hasn't. No, he doesn't have to. No, it's because implied. You get, because you give him your wallet. Right. Now, so if you don't give him the wallet, that's when he starts beating you with the baseball bat and doesn't care what happens. And if your grandparents love you, then they probably don't want you to get beaten with a baseball bat. So there are ways to communicate this to folks, and that's what we spent the first hour talking about, persuasion and communication and, and that sort of thing. So more on the way here. We'll bring back the Squirrel Man story. What's happening with his house that he built? It's his house. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial the toll-free number 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. Enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Not sure uh, why that music came back. And we're okay. Good. All right. So 800-259-9231. You can join us online. All the features free. And you need to know about privacyharbor.com. If you were listening to last night's podcast, you know I made a mistake. Uh, I had said during the show that I was going to put the... Institute for Humane Studies interview that we had at the end of the show, and then because I had too many interviews, meaning two instead two, yeah. of one, uh, I got all confused. I can and see how that could be dizzy. <laughs> yeah. I got all confused and put the uh, the Privacy Harbor one in last night instead. So tonight... I promise we'll do the IHS interview. But Privacy Harbor was quite an enlightening interview uh, last night. Especially if you have a business. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not good if your employees can uh, snoop in on your uh, emails. And it's happening in business all over. Well, I mean, the shocking numbers here, according to privacyharbor.com, over 35% of IT admins have admitted to snooping through their boss's email. And one of the things I, I noted last night during the interview is that our some of the people in our chat room have admitted to that. I mean, we've got some IT kind of dudes in the chat room, uh, the Free Talk Live AMP-only chat room. And when we first read that statistic on the air, they were chiming in and saying, yeah, I do that all the time. You know, it's fun to read your coworkers' email. It's fun to read the boss's email, right? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's private and confidential guaranteed. Shouldn't your business email be secure? Isn't it worth a few bucks? Well, you can go to PrivacyHarbor.com and get signed up for a free account, test it out, and then there are some different tiers that you can you can upgrade to if you, you can, find you it can valuable. You keep the free account too. Yeah. I mean, it it just allows. It's not time limited, right? You can. It's not time limited. It's there just, are some it's limits. Email but, limited, yeah. essentially. I I don't know what other what the other limits are. There's right. there's others, but so head over to privacyharbor.com because normal email is not secure. All right, one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We continue the story about Squirrel Man. It's a story out of Seattle. And what has happened here is under one of the interstate overpasses, there's some land 
right? That nobody is nobody would nobody would want to live under the interstate overpass. You ever stood under one of those before? Noisy, Just the constant, constant noise. Well, apparently Squirrel Man decided he was going to set up his home there in a cluster of trees where he he built a shelter. And when you get a chance, Mark, come walk around here to take a look at this photo of the inside of this man's home and just get an idea of what kind of work this guy put into this place. I mean, this is a real home that this guy is living in here. I mean, it's got like a wood stove of some sort. It's got... It's been constructed. That's I, a real house. Yeah, I'm no expert on describing construction Kevin. here, Mark. What do you de- What do you describe this floor that he's? I mean, this is a real floor with real wood. It's, it's um, got a sh- It's got a roof over it. I mean, this is a This is a treehouse like out of Swiss Family Robinson. Not that extreme, but kind of that same level of construction ability. It's untre- they're the, you know untreated one by eights, one by tens. Yeah. Um, you know, p- plank flooring essentially. It's It's rustic, no yeah. doubt, but uh, I, I don't think anyone could call this anything but a, um, you know, a, a nice little cabin. This is this man's home. And what is happening is social workers, you know, the people that are supposed to help the poor, right? Social workers in Seattle have been dispatched to essentially toss him out on his butt. And they're telling him, well, we've got our own shelters. You can come into our shelters, but you can't stay here. Squirrel Man says he doesn't have anywhere else to go. On Monday at 9 a.m., the Department of Transportation posted an eviction notice on his hand-cobbled gate, telling him that he and his elaborate platform better disappear. Squirrel Man didn't come down. His ladder, counterweighed with sandbags on pulleys, remained pulled up like a castle gate. His tent didn't stir. A day earlier, he talked about the possibility that for the third time in three years, he'd lose a carefully constructed home on other people's property. I'm tired, he said. I just want to be left alone. I'm not hurting anyone. And that's true. Neighbors said of David's uh, David's C-S-A-K-Y, Sky, Saki? Saki, uh, who also known, is also known as Squirrel Man, decades ago known as Oral Wayne Branch when he was born into poverty in Los Angeles in 1955. David's a unique character, but a good neighbor, said Janet Yoder, who owns an apartment complex adjacent to the unused city light, uh, city light-owned lot on the 3100 block of East Lake Avenue East, where Squirrel Man built his home. So it's, it's, an, it's a lot owned by City Light. Now, doesn't that sound to you like, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Mark, doesn't that sound to you like a municipal corporation of some sort, like a uh, like a power company that is essentially given uh, given mon- monopoly privilege over something? I'd like for someone to check that out if they could. City Light in Seattle, what is that? It, it sounds like a power company, but uh, who's to say whether the power company was given, you know, a, 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 whether it was taken by eminent domain for City yeah. Light or whether they just bought it? It's difficult to say. However, they have been granted a government monopoly, and that's you know. I'm jumping to conclusions on that. I don't know for sure. Uh, he's built the amazing tr- this amazing treehouse in the middle of a city, said Yoder. This is one of his neighbors. I certainly believe he's not a threat of any kind to anyone. Other neighbors agree, saying the wiry, weathered 52-year-old actually keeps crime down, and he keeps the vacant lot clean. Jim Ross, owner of the neighboring Ross Laboratories, loans uh, Squirrel Man a block and tackle that he used to haul beams into the trees. He works hard, said Ross. He's kind of become the neighborhood watchdog. No matter. Workers with the city transportation department acting on a citizen report, dated March 12th, decided Mr. Uh, Mr. Squirrel Man should go. There are long-standing policies about encampments, about precedents, about liability on rights of way, and Squirrel Man is without a doubt in violation of each. He said he's not looking for pity, and he's not looking for a handout. 
He's compared himself to a homesteader who's simply using what wasn't used. He said, I just need a place where I can live with my animals. He began uh, began construction on his squirrel's nest about two years ago. Given better luck, he said, he wouldn't be here at all. He'd moved from Seattle to Pittsburgh and from there by way of Florida. The abridged version of the story tells that he tells is that he was born to a mother who was a prostitute and a dad who was a drunk. City workers, after finding him and his brother stealing food to survive, remanded them first to relatives in Florida, then split them into foster homes. Eventually, the family adopted him and he changed his name, or a family adopted him. He dropped out of high school, got his GED, and started a successful vacuum cleaner and carpet cleaning business, he said. But a bad marriage, bad luck, and despair he won't detail put him on the ropes in his late 40s. He packed up what little he owned and moved to Seattle, hoping to make it to Alaska. A lost job cost him his Belltown studio apartment four years ago, and a lack of money and illegal parking cost him his Jeep Cherokee that he lived in after that. Homeless, Squirrel Man searched. Using scraps, found carpet, and building supplies, he modified an an empty six-foot crawl space under a building owned by Don Kennedy Real Estate. So cleverly hidden, his entry was attached by Velcro and looked permanently sealed. The real estate company didn't find out for months. Don Kennedy Jr. said, uh, this again, the owner of the real estate company, said, We were shocked when a manager found it. It was nearly a full apartment he had built down there. Impressive, but he couldn't stay. Now, when you're building something on someone else's property, I think you've definitely uh, definitely crossed a line. But if you're talking about a vacant lot which has gone unused and it's underneath an interstate where clearly no one's ever going to want to build. Right. Well, no one can build, really. Probably not, yeah. Um, Probably regulations there. Now, I've heard of uh, situations where uh, when you're under power lines where it can adversely affect, I think, the electrical in the house. There's just so much power passing overhead. It's the big power lines. I'm not talking Mm -hmm. about your average ones that are running down the street. I'm talking about the big ones that are on those giant metal trusses that uh, it can adversely affect the electrical in the house and, and things like that. But, you know... Homesteading, homesteading, something that's gone away in the United States, and I kind of do. I think this guy deserves to own his property. I'm not so sure about that, but maybe he should be left alone. I think he should be left alone. Uh, in the case of Mister, I mean, should he be able to to, to pass down this treehouse to his heirs or sell it? <laughs> that, I think that's pushing it. But uh, he doesn't it, seem like the kind of guy who's going to have any heirs. And, and the, the 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 other question that I have is the same one that I have with your couch. Who is this person who complained? We have no idea. Because they're using the protection of the government in order to prevent the squirrel man from facing his accuser. Some coward, some stinking, lily-livered, yellow-backed coward is, wants to complain, wants to ruin this man's life, and doesn't have the guts to stand up and say so. But most people that encounter this guy love him. His neighbors say he's helping the neighborhood. The people that live nearby him don't, I mean, at least the ones they interviewed for the article don't seem to have a problem with this guy. Even Don Kennedy, the man who found Squirrel Man living underneath his business, likes the guy. We'll uh, give you what he has to say here in a few moments. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. The Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free, so enjoy those on us. They include the wiki. We've got a whole bunch of stuff there, over 1,800 pages. It's been created by listeners like you, so go and get interactive for free over at wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. SACL CAI is the largest sponsor of Free Talk Live, has been for... 
I don't know, it's got to be over a year now. Uh, if you have any collections issues in your business, check out SACL CAI. Their, uh, their banner is the top banner on the right-hand side at freetalklive.com. All right, we continue here. Uh, we're going to go to the phones, and we'll continue Squirrel Man's story in a moment. Rob is on the line in Ontario. Rob, you want to talk about Squirrel Man? Yeah, and I hope I'm not uh, letting the cat out of the bag, but there's a very happy ending to this story. Oh, oh is really? there? This is good yeah. news. What, uh... I'm looking at uh, a website, seattlepi.com, mm-hmm. and some neighbors collected some money to buy a used RV for the gentleman, but when the uh, couple that was selling the RV realized what was going on, they sold it for one penny to this guy. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> so, um, now, it's, you know, mind you, it's a used RV, but he's got, uh, as I say, it's a very happy ending. And, you know, he's got a roof, a solid roof over his head. And uh, there's, there's pictures on this website that show him getting his keys. And, uh, and you know, everything what's, turned out. What's the couple's name that sold the RV? Uh, it doesn't doesn't name them. This is a lake. Forest. Some an anonymous good people. That's wow, <laughs> you know it's it's nice to see who the heroes are in this story, but I guess we know we all know who the villains are. The government, well, yeah, yeah. But and, you know, and what, I mean, this the just goes to show that uh, you know no matter what happens, uh, you know how, how how bad the government treats you, the, the kind hardness sometimes of neighbors comes through and. Uh, as I say, I think it's uh, he's better off for this anyway. I think you're right about that, uh, and thank goodness he didn't have to be forced, as the government was attempting to do, force him out off the property and into some sort of government housing. Do you know where they're allowing him to park the RV? I don't think it uh, goes into that detail. Well, Walmart uh, will allow you to park RVs only for one for a night. I don't know what their precise rules are, but at the yeah. very least, you can you'll be able to figure something out. It's for people that are in transition, somebody that's going from place to place. Sure. they're allowed to park at the Walmart. Yeah, it doesn't really go into a lot of detail, but anyway, I was hoping I wasn't. Uh, oh, thank you. No, thanks for the update. Story, but it's, it's very nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's a. Gr- I'm glad that, that that it ended that way, and I appreciate you updating us on that. And thank you for the call tonight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We'll continue the story nonetheless uh, to tell you about what happened. Happened to this man originally? Uh, what? Why he become? Uh, why he was under fire? And let me correct earlier, or I guess verify earlier, my supposition that City Light, which is the owner apparently of the property that this man, uh, Squirrel Man, had built his treehouse on. Again, it was underneath an interstate bypass in some trees, and it essentially was a vacant lot. The neighbors that were surrounding the area spoke very highly of Squirrel Man. They said that he helped keep the lot clean, said that he helped uh, keep crime out of the area, that he was a good neighbor, a nice guy. And so we checked it, or Johnson uh, checked it out, and City Light is indeed a city or a publicly owned utility. So, so it's not it's even a privately owned land. utility. Right, it's not even a privately owned utility with a monopoly. It's a government-run utility company, which means that City Light Territory is public land, which as far as I'm concerned means this man was completely within his rights to homestead a piece of it and build his treehouse. He was being a good neighbor. That's what his neighbors had to say, with the exception of whoever the dirty snitch was that snitched him out to the government people. So let me continue the story, though. When uh, we were originally talking about how before he built his treehouse, he actually built a little crawl space or modified a crawl space underneath Don Kennedy Real Estate. Now, Don Kennedy Jr. said he was shocked when one of their managers found it. It was impressive, but he couldn't stay. Kennedy and his wife were so impressed with Squirrel Man's work, they actually hired him to do small jobs and let him live in vacant units. 
This worked for a while, but in the end, Kennedy said, he was smart, personable, and talented, but unfortunately, it was also unreliable. And you know, that's the number one thing you got to get right when you're working for somebody is showing up on time. You know, I always wonder about this because, you know, where does where does unreliable start and mental uh, stop and uh, mental uh, stability, you know, end? Couldn't somebody be you know, have a, a, a mental problem to the point that they're just not able to be reliable. And I always feel bad for those people because, you know, it's it, it it's not the easiest thing in the world to be reliable. It's not. And I can see how as, uh, you know, maybe depression grips you and things like that. The 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 drive to be more reliable is it, it, it it's just not as important to you. Squirrel Man built another place, this time in an apartment complex. Oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, he built another place, this time in an apartment complex on East Lake, slated for raising. Then one day he found his small hidden building bulldo- bulldozed. He said, I got off the bus, I saw it, and dropped my bags and started crying. He walked to the lot across the street and made temporary shelter in the bushes. Then he noticed the linden tree on the hillside, the East Lake side of the lot. He wedged a sheet of plywood into the tree, creating a big platform uh, large enough for his tent. It was midsummer, and a dense canopy of leaves blanketed the tree and obscured his roost. The platform was too small, he said. I needed more room so I wouldn't fall off. So he began searching. The neighborhood construction boom got an unexpected beneficiary. Next door, Janet Yoder and her husband, Robbie, began hearing hammering sounds. But with the din from Interstate 5 overhead and the sound reflecting from Lake Union, it was difficult to pin down. Then came fall in a big windstorm. She looked out her window at the tree. It was like a curtain got raised, she remembered. Suddenly, there was this treehouse. She met Squirrel Man a short time later. So would many in that stretch of East Lake. He had introduced himself as David, the treehouse guy. Over time, he raised his platform and expanded it to approximately 300 square feet. Gosh. With the block and tackle, he raised a wood stove, chairs, and shelves. On the platform rests his tent, three chairs, and shelves. A counter cradles an unplumbed sink. The platform stretches across the branches of three trees and is, as he said, solid as a rock. For the time, he had electricity, temporarily donated by his neighbors, even a television, heater, and a stereo. From scraps, it has a million-dollar view of the lake and Queen Anne Hill. He said, I was happy as hell. He's not sure what he'll do now. He lives in the tree with his rat Lucky, his ferret Rainbow, and an off-balance squirrel named Tilt. The name Squirrel Man comes from the pet squirrels that he's had over time, tame enough to sit on his shoulder. He says he understands why the squirrels like the trees. It's safer up here, he said. But now it appears over. Neighbors have talked of trying to find him shelter he can use with the animals. He wonders if the city can just take mercy and leave him alone for a few years. How much longer am I going to be able to climb that ladder, he said. Just leave me alone for a few years and I'll be gone anyway. And indeed, that's what they should have done. They should have left the guy alone. But Solve the problem. But thank goodness the problem was solved by people who care. By people who really care because as uh, Robin... That's how problems are best solved right. anyway. Voluntarily, consensually, by people who have an interest in the situation. Now, I know there's a chance that some government bureaucrats actually had an interest in helping this guy. I'm yeah, but, sure that's but the they case. Can't, but the government program simply can't be created in order to help this guy. I mean, can you imagine what it would be like if you allowed the people in homeless shelters to own pets squirrels mm. rats yeah. what was the other pet i mean for god's sakes you can't ha- allow them to have these things you just can't and that's the problem one size 
does not fit all, so don't force me to pay for your one-size-fits-all solution. Right. I don't support what you government people are doing to this poor man. I don't want to be a part of it. I don't want my money being extracted from me to go to terrorize people like this, who are, by all accounts, except for the anonymous coward, being a good neighbor. And probably the person that snitched this guy out just didn't like the idea of someone living for free in a tree somewhere. They probably didn't like that. Some nasty little busybody. Yeah. That's all. What's, he, what's that man doing over there living in that tree? That's in a vacant lot. He shouldn't be in there. There's a problem with that. I'm calling the snitch line. Why don't you leave people alone, huh? Unless they're causing a problem in your life beyond creating something you don't want to see. Unless they're causing a problem on your property and they're doing damage to you and your loved ones, why don't you shut the F up and go about your own damn business? Well, and, and <laughs> why don't you try to approach somebody and talk to them about your problem before you go and, and uh, get the government involved? <laughs> and if you do get the government involved, stand up and uh, you know proclaim it like a man. Right. See, the thing is, is that they know that they would face retribution. Maybe. You don't think that there'd be some kind of I know I don't think there'd be some kind of stigma attached to the person who snitched on Squirrel Man who's okay, protecting you're right. Maybe Squirrel Man wouldn't retaliate, but someone else might retaliate on his behalf or something. I suppose that's possible. And what they're probably said to themselves, the the excuse they used is, well, that guy in the va- with the vacant thing there is bringing down property values. Well, no. Actually, your government, um, in the form of this bailout, has been bringing up uh, property values, bringing down property values far more than the homeless guy in the tree. But, you know, I, I, I think that people should have a spine. Yep. Go and talk to your uh, the person that you have a problem with first. If you're going to use the government, don't have a problem with standing up and saying you're the one who did it. Absolutely. And that's that's an issue. Because if you did something right, what do you have to hide? That's what they always <laughs> say. What is there to hide? 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Mark, you've got 10 reasons schools are like prisons. We'll share those with you coming up here in moments and take your calls about whatever you want. The third hour is coming up, and the toll-free number for you is one 800 259-9231, brought to you by SACL CAI. This is Free Talk Live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up anything. Again, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. And if you are somebody who is in college or maybe just fresh out of college and you're interested in, for instance, getting some experience in the broadcast or journalism industry, perhaps uh, in the world of video game production, perhaps movies, film, animation, or even the dreaded public policy, you can do it all if you go to libertarianinternships.com. 
where they're looking for libertarian students and recent graduates interested in careers of what I just mentioned uh, in, in regards to spring, summer, and even fall internships. All positions are paid. And uh, the ones that are in movies, film, animation, or video game production include a $2,000 stipend for a 10-week internship, housing and travel allowance, tuition and travel assistance, novels and academic works on economics, history and philosophy, networking opportunities in major media centers like New York City, Los Angeles, and D.C. Uh, so there are three different uh, semester deadlines, spring, summer, and fall. You can go to libertarianinternships.com to get more information and... Submit your application. Again, libertarianinternships.com. We'll tell you more about the broadcast stuff a little bit later this hour. All right, 1-800-259-9231. That's the number for you, Mark. You've got to change gears here. We're going to talk education. Why is it that government schools are like prisons? Well, from the Prometheus Institute at... Uh, hey, well, that's a former sponsor of Free Talk Live. That's right. Well, it's a good site. The PrometheusInstitute.org, and I think you can go to readpi.com. Uh, it's uh, the articles by uh, by both uh, Hartfield and Harrison over there. Number one, ten reasons why America's public schools are like America's prisons. Number one, <laughs> both are compulsory. Obviously, yeah. prisons are designed to be compulsory and punishment, yet public schools, especially for poor kids, can also be de facto imprisonment. It's like day prison. Schooling is required by law, and parents are often geographically, financially, or in some other way limited to their local public school. Students end up being forced by law into the dictated state-run institution. Well, if you don't take uh, – if you're a parent and you allow your kid to not go to government school, and at the same time they're also not going to some government-approved private school, and at the same time they're not enrolled in some government-approved homeschooling program – in many states the homeschooling regulations are very, very different from one another – but in a lot of cases government has to essentially sign off on the fact that your parents are homeschooling. So if you haven't gone through any sort of government-approved uh, schooling process, then there's a chance they're going to take your parents and put them in a real full-time prison. So the the, the coercion is absolutely present. Well, likely they'll take the kid away and put them in a full-time prison called foster care. That too. Um, it, let's see. It's, uh, it's or some other way. Parents are often geographically, financially, or in some other way limited to their local public school. Students end up being forced by law into the dictated state-run institution. It's worth mention that vouchers, which PI happens to support, would free parents and students from the lack of choice in schools. That way, you get to choose your prison. Well, yeah, vouchers, not such a great idea, because the thing with vouchers is essentially what that will do is it will make it so private schools, which are pretty autonomous at this point, will become government sort of extensions of the government school system. They won't be run by the government, but in order to get the money for the vouchers, the government can put and attach whatever strings it would like to to that money. So therefore, it can tell these private school operators, hey, you want some extra cash? Well, if you want this money, you're going to have to do X, Y, Z, and so on and so forth. And so that essentially makes them subservient to the state in a way that they'd never been before. And I think that's one of the major downfalls of the voucher program. What, what people who believe in liberty should be advocating is total uh, the total ability to retain the money in the first place, never send it to the government and decide on your own what to do with it. Yeah, I think that's what uh, the, what the case is. I, th- I think that maybe perhaps a, a better solution, if there's if there needs to be a step in between, is what everyone will always say is, what about the poor people? They won't get any education. Well, then you're talking about welfare. You're not talking about the middle class welfare that currently exists in public schools. You're talking about maybe 10 percent of the population, maybe 20 percent of the population, depending where you are, that need help. 
Now, uh, if squirrel man can get an RV, yeah, kids if, can get an education. Well, it, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe if you're talking about a step in between some kind of government-run, uh, you know, scholarship program that will send these kids to school, and that's it's better. It's not perfect by any stretch. However, I was looking at uh, the rates for public and private schools here around locally. here, right? Yeah. And it, it These appears blew me away. Yeah, it appears to to be that they spend in my town, uh, which only has a school that runs from uh, kindergarten through eighth grade, and then they you know pay money to send their high schoolers off uh, elsewhere. But it just to send kids to that school, kindergarten through eighth grade, and there's mm-hmm. not that much that it, you know it doesn't cost as much. You don't need as many tre- teachers. It's not as high a level of education. Right. Uh, it's, you're talking eight thousand dollars per student. Wow. There's a private school in the same town. That it's the the tuition to send a kid, and one has to assume that there's some level of cushion built into that tuition, is fifteen hundred dollars. Now that's the cheapest one I could For find. For a year? Yes, it's the cheapest one I could find, and there's there's some caveats to it. But essentially, they have a t- you know one teacher that teaches the, the the like the kindergarten, you know the 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 lowest grades, mm-hmm. and then the the four through six or four through eight or whatever it is are taught. Essentially, by a via computer from some other remote location. Mm-hmm. There's only a few kids there, so they they learn their you know the teacher helps out a little bit and they learn on the computer with uh, you know a remote professor. But wouldn't neat uh, ideas like this make it so that people could educate their kids far more cheaply? I can send yeah. my kid to a private school for fifteen hundred dollars a year. That's chump change. I have to pay to send somebody else's brat to you know for to eight thousand to the tune of eight thousand right. dollars a year. Look, it, it likely they're driving that brat to school in an Escalade. It may, it's sickening to wow. me. It's wow. sickening. You know this is what we're doing to the to, to poor people is we're we're running them out of their homes with these high ass property taxes. It's crazy because I we w- want because we the middle class who want this welfare system for our kids are saying, look, you we, we've got to have more money to educate the poor kids. That's not the poor kids. It's the middle class kids that are breaking the communities. Look, I'm not saying that stuff. I am not part of that. We because I would not be even I wouldn't be able to even live in this town. I wouldn't be able to live in Keene, New Hampshire, if I didn't have a duplex. If I didn't have a hardworking family living next door to me, paying my essentially paying my property ta- the property taxes for me, if I could give them a, a discount on the, the property taxes, for instance, sixty percent of property taxes here goes to the government education system. Well, my property tax bill is about five grand, so you're looking at twenty seven, twenty eight hundred dollars essentially. That's being paid into the government school system. There's that fifteen hundred dollars right there. I could very easily give all that money back to those folks. They could take that money into the marketplace, and they could shop around for whatever kind of education they wanted for their daughter instead of having to accept this awful one-size-fits-all government education or government indoctrination system. And it's, you know it's interesting, Mark? It's interesting to think about how much cheaper it could be. I mean, we're looking at these numbers, and these are as they are today with this tremendous marketplace distortion being brought into play by the government. I mean, the government is here in Keene. You said it's eight thousand uh, dollars where you live, but here in Keene, the big city, it's uh, thirteen thousand dollars per per student. So thirteen thousand dollars versus fifteen hundred dollars, or even some of the more expensive schools. You looked at some of the pricier ones that are in the area; they still don't even come close to thirteen thousand. Many of them don't. Some of them do, but uh, a lot of I thought them, the highest one was like seven. Well, uh, there's uh, the ones I read to you. Uh, I was I reading, you know, there, there there are others, but at that point, you're talking about the very high end prep. Preparatory schools, and yeah. in some cases, that 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 covers a certain level of boarding too. Well, I can get it's it's.
it's like in the restaurant business. You can go to Ruth's Chris and you can spend a whole lot of money on a dinner, or you can a fine, go to fine a, dinner, or you can go to a diner and spend a fraction of the price and still fill your belly. Yep. So to, it's not to say that fifteen hundred dollar school is doing a bad job. They're just more competitive. They're being innovative. They're doing things differently. They've managed to lower costs. Imagine how much cheaper education could be if everybody was shopping around in the marketplace. If parents were having to call schools and get rates if they were having to call around and say hey what do you offer i'm comparing you against your competition against town what do you got that they don't and what do you charge for it how much lower could prices be how much cheaper how much more innovative I think that's really the um, that's really the issue. You'd get far more for your education dollar, and yeah. there would be schools out there doing all kinds of things. Customized education, various different programs, various different electives, different paths people could take. It would be so great, and there's more reasons why schools, Nine of them. schools are like prisons. Obviously, we have a lot to say on this, and if you do too, dial in 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Again, that number, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. They include updates. You get signed up. We clue you in whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. So go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Get the inside scoop on football betting from Ted Murray and... Find out about rape defense from self-defense expert Kimber Johnson. All at PaladinPodcast.com. PaladinPodcast.com is a service of Paladin Press, and you can browse over 900 books and DVDs on topics as, such as personal and financial freedom, Second Amendment issues, self-defense, and more. Remember, it's PaladinPodcast.com. We continue with your phone calls. We'll get back to the top ten reasons why government schools are like prisons. But first, let's go to Ziggy in the U.K. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, guys. Hey, there. Hi, this- one sector of industry which was in recession before any other sector, but you hear no one talk about it, the sex industry. The sex, like porn? Uh, like, yeah. Like prostitutes? Yeah. Now, how do you and know? Of course, and, of course, the government prohibits prostitution, which doesn't help people earn a living. I thought it was legal over there in the UK. Uh, <laughs> the government... <laughs> the, the, right. <laughs> The government, the government, first of all, said they were going to liberalise the laws, and then they said they weren't. Hmm. Um, I think it's, it's, it's to do with the fact that the, the, there are progressives, of course, on, on, the, on the left, and we do have a left-wing government uh, at the moment, uh, progressives on the left who probably do think that you should, should, should legalise prostitution, but you also have you know, left-wing feminists mm-hmm. who think you know, prostitution is an exploitation right. of, of, of women. Because women can't make decisions for themselves. Uh, so what am I? I'm, what I'm curious about here, Ziggy, is what are the economic indicators that you're relying on to suggest that this has been obvious in the the sex business? Well, um, I don't want anyone to judge my character by this, but I do know people who do work in the sex industry. I don't see why that's necessarily a judge of your character. You mean you mean prostitutes or porn yeah, stars? Well, you know, as soon as you mention you know prostitutes, yeah. As soon as you know you mention prostitutes, everyone thinks that you visit them. I don't. I just happen to know a few, and they're all their businesses down. Um, huh. I don't know if you mem- remember there was somebody who rang into your show must be almost a year ago called Barbie, who was, who was actually from your side of the, the pond. Yeah, I do recall that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, her, their site um, back in 2000 was making 1800 bucks a week. This week, they've only made 10 bucks. Damn. Wow. You know, it's, it's it, basically the, the reason why sites like like, like, like theirs have been hit hard, um, hard is because basically when, um, you know, money gets tight, the luxuries go first. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you, you're talking about porn websites, uh, that's an interesting observation because there's so much free porn on the Internet. Uh, certainly you can go and pay for it, but you don't really have to. I mean, there are now websites that are like the YouTube for porn. You can well, just go and watch it, porn. A lot of want. people that pay currently are um, people that have uh, particular types of fetishes that it is that they like. Okay. They like the stuff in particular. and the stuff You that, can find some of that on the free porn sites. I'm not though. saying you can't. I think you just have to cull through more things. Maybe I they're more imagine. willing to now because... Uh, the economy is tighter. Maybe Ziggy's absolutely right on this. Um, well, yeah, and I mean, uh, as, as for the prostitutes, I, I know who, who actually, um, do, you know, do it for real. Um, they've told me business is really, really, really down. That's interesting. What, you know, they, 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 in the old days, they could expect five clients a day. Now they're, they're lucky to get two clients a week. I would think that the sex trade like that wouldn't really take so so much of a hit simply because people are always always going to want to get off. So there's always going to be some demand, but you're saying that they're just satisfying themselves, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Well, if you know if if you need the money, I mean, that's the, I can see it. Yeah, yeah, that much is true. Zig, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate yeah. you bringing that up. And if anybody else is out there working for a porn website or working in the sex trade, Maybe uh, working at, uh, I wonder if strippers, are uh, they down too? What, what, what I would strip imagine. Clubs probably. I would love to hear from you. Especially when you're talking about strip clubs selling those uh, you know, $8 beers. Yeah, I would love to hear from you on this at 1-800-259-9231. Otherwise, we continue here with the 10 reasons why government schools are a lot like prisons. Number nine? Two. Number two. We're going up the list. Both are overcrowded as a result of poor public policy. In the case of prisons... The drug and the drug war and other misguided pros, uh, prosecutions of nonviolent offenses has unleashed a torrent of criminals into the prison system. In the case of schools, the aforementioned herding of young criminals into local public schools creates the same result: overcrowding. Mm-hmm. The intelligent policies to reverse both problems would be the discrimination of or the decriminalization of nonviolent offenses and school vouchers. There they are pushing school vouchers again. But, you know, I understand why they're pushing school vouchers. I was on the side of school vouchers for a while. I'm not so far removed from it that I hate the idea. I think it's ever so slightly better, but I just think that there's a better solution, and that uh, that solution would be what I just said, scholarships for poor people, because that's where that's what people always say. What about the kids that can't afford it? This um, Vouchers take away the market influences that go to that would go to public schools and ruin the public schools, too. Three. three. Both are prone to violent insurrection. Both prison breaks and uh, school shootings occasionally, but not infrequently, stir public fear in the nightly news. Probably more school shootings than uh, prison riots uh, recently. When either occurs, blame is usually spread, spread liberally and often misplaced. The state should be at least partially faulted for its overweening presence, yet inability to effectively maintain peace. Insurrections can be prevented when prisoners are correctly controlled. School shootings can be prevented when kids are effectively taught right from wrong. I, I, I think that you likely would have uh, some level of prison riots in a, in a free market system, some level of uh, school shooting, school violence in a free market system. I do think that they would be better. Prisons would have less people in them. I mean, because fewer. as they suge- fewer people, because as they suggested, if 
nonviolent crimes were eliminated, the consensual crimes out there, as Ziggy suggested, prostitution, uh, gambling, drugs, that would clear a tremendous amount of people, clear them right out of those prison cells, and not having the, the volume would, I think, do a lot to contribute to less rioting. Uh, less writing. Um, the uh, I, I think that we've been talking about solutions for schools here, and, and probably this article's aimed at that to some extent. Mm-hmm. However, for some so- solutions to prisons, well, if you made – if the judge, for one, uh, one of t- two things, and I think that both of them would help um, even individually. First off, there should be no plea bargaining, period. End of story. No plea bargaining. The public does not benefit from plea bargaining. Nobody but the state benefits from plea bargaining. The vi- the victims don't benefit from plea bargaining, and the the criminal doesn't benefit from plea bargaining. The 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 criminal well like uh, in in some cases criminals will accept a plea bargain in the case that they didn't do it in mm-hmm. order to you know spare their family, spare all kinds of people a trial in the in the thoughts that they couldn't prove themselves innocent. The public has to, to to pay to incarcerate all these people. Yeah. Uh, the victims don't are are unhappy because the criminal doesn't get fully charged and fully sentenced. So uh, plea bargaining hurts everyone. So get rid of plea bargaining. Period. Well, people say, oh, well, we wouldn't be able to handle the overcrowding. Here's the other issue. Turn over the the incarceration of people to the free market. The judge hands down a sentence. The prisoner then gets to choose which prison they want to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the prisons then get to choose. Of course, this is a business arrangement. They get to choose whether or not they take that criminal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the more violent, the more dangerous, the 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 more difficult to control the inmate. Um, the fewer prisons would take him, and they'd end up in the worst places. Toll free number here eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We've got more comparisons: schools versus prisons. It's free talk live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Again, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you like the show, want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get signed up for as little as 3 bucks a month. You can help us get on more radio stations across the country, around the world, bring more internet listeners to the program and expose new people to the message of freedom and liberty if that sounds good to you and you like the idea of maybe getting a few perks like access to the amp only chat room forum the amp only call in lines which uh, have been fixed by the way we've been having some problems with the amp only call in lines and it was all my fault so it's, well, they're now better i mean how it, there's a lot of technology involved in bringing this show to you and and you know when you're when you're setting and tweaking things one little click in the wrong direction and mistakes can be made there's problems so you know you and a lot of it it's trial and error it's not like they send you instruction books with these things that uh, have every contingency set yeah so the amp line's now working one of the perks at back back online working 100 percent. so you get all these uh these perks and you help us get on more stations if that sounds good to you please head over to amp.freetalklive.com and get signed up and do be patient uh, i understand that somebody that signs up on a sunday probably isn't going to get their account approved until friday simply because i only do the amp processing once a week and it's usually on a friday or a saturday line so if you've been waiting patiently during the week you have uh you have radio stations to call in order yeah. to get the the 
the show on more stations. I, I think that amplifiers, although it might be a, a little frustrating, should understand once they once they know what you're doing during the day. We've been working on attempting to automate the amp process as much as possible, but it's been a, a slow grueling process and in fact we may be looking to hire somebody new online i may, might send out an uh, an email update about that looking for some resumes or something like that so we can try to get this thing kicked into gear but anyway head over to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board with the amp program as we continue this list of the top 10 reasons why government indoctrination centers are a lot like government prisons and we're on number four that's correct both are poorly administered and inefficient. Yeah, that's about all. That applies to every government program. Yep. Excessive uh, bureaucracy and centralization plague both institutions. The heavy state regulation of American K through 12 education has enjoyed a well-documented history of failure. Wasting money and resources to little benefit to the students and parents. And an increased budget every I, time they fail. I don't know that it's fair to say little benefit. It's certainly fair to say inefficient and less benefit yeah. than private schools have. If you, if you as a parent had the choice, to uh, all things being equal, sending your kid to the public school or sending them to a private school or government school or you know a, a school supported by the marketplace, who would you send them to? The vast majority of parents are going to answer that they would send them to a private school. The reason is, is private schools are better. Yeah. So why do we settle for this? Why do we pay far more per student? I know why. Because they'll steal your house. Well, but people support, uh, the vast majority of people out there support the idea of public education. Well, I think that that's because, hmm, why do they support public education? Because they want kids educated, as though the, the kids can't get educated without the government. Yeah, I guess that is the presumption that without the government schools around, the kids would be out in the streets uh, causing trouble. And, and, and some parents likely would um, not, you know, take the steps that they should in order to educate their kids. I don't know what the solution to that is. I think that the vast majority of parents, the vast majority, would uh, would would educate their kids. However, think about it from this uh, standpoint. The government currently requires, in some cases, kids to go to school till they're 18. Mm -hmm. What if the family has problems? What if dad's injured and, uh, you know, they need help bringing in money? Shouldn't the 15-year-old be able to go out and earn a little sure. bit of money? That used to happen. Secondly, um, in requiring every student to go, this also requires some kids who are mentally not able to handle school very well. Um, you know, like I'm talking about kids that are really disabled okay in a lot of cases we'll spend you'll have teachers like one for every three students one for every two students i've heard two teachers for every one student mm. in some of these wow. really special ed type classes i'm talking about kids in wheelchairs that are drooling on themselves things yeah. like that the amount of money that's spent on those kids that are never going to pay society back right isn't that the whole idea behind government schools to uh, you know to invest in the future that sort of thing it would be far more far far more efficiently uh, handled in a charitable situation or for right. parents leaving you know leaving a parent at home to take care of this child the idea that uh, that, that we're educating educating those kids or not Let's go back to the issue real quick of the idea that there could be some parents in the absence of governmental coercion because we know that parents are threatened uh, with being put in jails uh, or having their houses stolen from them if they don't participate with the government system. But the, so the objection that you mentioned earlier was that, well, what about those parents that aren't interested in educating their kids? 
because if you have a, if you have a poor set of parents that are interested in educating their kids in the marketplace, they'll get that education because the charity will be available to help those people. It was so, happening before we had government yeah. schools. So poor parents that want to educate their kids would be able to do so. But what about the issue of parents that just don't want to send their kids to school? I think that unless those kids are being held against their will inside their parents' home, those kids, most kids, like to go outside and play and meet other kids, right? So presuming you don't have a set of parents that is holding their children captive, and if that's what you have, well, you're not even going to know the kids You're not going to do anything with them anyway. Right. So presuming we've got a regular set of kids here that's allowed to go out and play and spend their day doing whatever they want, let's just say we've got parents that just don't care, that parents that just aren't even interested in their kids. They popped them out, they put enough food on the table to keep them alive, but otherwise they just let them run wild. Well, these kids are going to meet kids their age, and they're going to find out that the kids their age are able to do things that they're not able to do, that they're able to read books, they're able to communicate effectively, they're able to do things that they, they've learned by going to these various different schools that are in the area. And inevitably, they're going to, there's that there's that natural sort of human competition that's going to come into play where you want to be able to compete with these people. It'll be quite obvious to your ki- to these kids that are, we're talking about that they aren't quite on par with their friends. And in fact, their friends keep learning all these neat new things. I don't think it would take very long for a young person to realize that what they would like is to be educated and to learn some of the same things that their friends are learning and to go and seek that out for themselves, to go and find, you know, to go to the charity on their own, or perhaps the charities will have some sort of outreach program or, you know, to help identify these at-risk kids that aren't getting the education. And certainly as they get older, this will become more and more apparent to them, this discrepancy between the those who are going to be educated and those who just aren't. And again, what we're talking about here is a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. Most parents love their kids and are very interested in their success. So, I mean, the idea that this would even be a problem is pretty absurd on its face, but even if it was an issue... Those kids could get the help they needed because as soon as they reached out for it, someone would be there to give them that assistance. And the only way they could not get that help is if their parents kept them as captives inside their home. As far as that, that's what I see. Could or would. I think that, you see, that that's what the people's concern is, is, you know, how many students out there wouldn't, uh, you know, how many kids out there wouldn't, if their parents didn't force them to go to school, just choose not to go to school, would turn into essentially uh, grunting apes uh, worth little more than, uh, uh, you know, manual labor. I don't know. How much better are they now is really the question yeah. you have to ask yourself. How many of these kids, and I'm thinking you're, you're talking about poor families. That's where I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm just guessing here. How many of these poor kids are essentially grunting apes, illiterate, uh, un, unable to, to, to handle themselves in, in most fashions that are really only good for manual labor? And likely they're not doing manual labor because they're on welfare or living off of some woman who's on welfare. I'd say you nailed it. There are plenty of those kids out there now. Look at the government schools. And their test results, and look at how many kids drop out versus – I'm not saying there's anything wrong with dropping out. Sometimes it's the right choice to make. Uh, but look at how many kids graduate illiterate. There's a tremendous amount of them, more so in, in urban areas certainly, but government schools promote the illiteracy. They aren't interested really in educating kids too effectively because as we know from people like John Taylor Gatto, who by the way is going to be speaking at the upcoming Liberty Forum – 
Uh, people like John Taylor Gatto have exposed the government school system for what it is. It's a system designed to create grunts. It's a system designed to create dumbed-down people who are who are able to plug into s- certain simple jobs and just sort of continue down that path in the rat race for the rest of their lives. What we could have in the absence of government schools is such a variety of educational venues and options that we've got far smarter and more intelligent people out there in the world. A lot of intelligence has to do with what you're taught. And what you're taught in government school is to obey. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing toll-free, even in these remaining moments. Just enough time for you. 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. And if uh, Again, freetalklive.com, those features include uh, live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, webcam version, all free at listen.freetalklive.com. Spring summer internships in broadcast and print journalism. The Institute for Humane Studies is looking for good communicators in all majors to place at daily papers and major media outlets for the spring or summer. Did you notice how I stuttered over good communicators? Yeah, well, you don't really have to be that good. You don't have to be that good to succeed in broadcast. As long as you can stay not, if you, as long as you aren't getting drunk on the air, you can <laughs> succeed in the world of broadcasting. I'm serious. All positions, I, 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 the fact is we've seen otherwise. Who was sitting and drinking on the air? Uh, the old man at the Dove. Oh, the Frank, morning show guy? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I knew he chain-smoked in, in, in the morning, but I didn't know he was drinking Going in the Going through studio. beer at the, right there. <laughs> right there. <laughs> Starting Ash, out. Ashing the filterless cigarettes in the beer can. Six in the morning, smoking, chain-smoking and drinking in I the studio, right? I think he was in, right? in, in at five, actually. Yeah, yeah. nice. All so posi- it's possible. There you go. <laughs> in fact, positions. you can even run a radio station. Our old general manager would come in three sheets to the wind. He certainly would leave that way. Yeah. All positions are paid and include a career workshop and opportunities to network. The deadline to apply for an early summer decision so that you can work at better stations than we ever did mm-hmm. is November the 1st. Visit libertarianinternships.com for more information. Libertarianinternships.com. I have to say. I, I recommend this. Yeah. This is... So great for kids. And it's such a great idea. I, I mean, I've never been to it, so I can't speak personally, but I wish I'd had this opportunity when I was getting my internship uh, a decade ago in radio. Uh, so, I mean, these people pay you to go and intern. I, you can't beat that. You might get the internship of a lifetime. Uh, turns into a job. You don't even have to finish those other three years of college and spend all that money. You might get yeah. what you want in the first year. They suggested that uh, they wanted people basically that had finished one year in, in college. They did say that. However, yeah. you can contact them ahead of time and sort of talk to them. And, you know, maybe they'll make an exception yeah, for knows? you. Who knows? But, uh, you know... It seems like a really good thing to me. Well, in fact, uh, we're going to get it right. Not only is it a really great thing, and they're paying us. Yeah, well, I'm going to get it right tonight. If you're listening to this via the radio, you will not be able to hear this extended edition of the program. But afterwards, after the podcast, if you download the show later tonight from freetalklive.com, at the very end of the program, after the radio version of the show ends, we're going to tack on, I think, like a 15 or 20-minute interview with Scott from the Institute for Humane Studies, where we talk to him in detail about what this program really is is and get some more information for so for those of you who are more interested in this who maybe haven't gone yet to libertarian 
stay tuned after the podcast uh, on tonight's show, and I promise I'll get it right tonight. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll attach that. Let's continue here, Mark. A uh, few moments remain. Still enough time for a few more of these. Uh, we're on number five. We may have to continue tomorrow night. The or or five I can just whip through the uh, bowl, you know, the, the, the main line. The five, uh, the five, mo- five more of the total of ten of reasons why government schools are a lot like government prisons. Both assume one solution for every individual. U.S. justice policy incorrectly assumes that incarceration will solve many social problems, such as drugs, prostitution, gambling, etc. Yeah, that hasn't worked. The U.S. Department of Education assumes that federal and or state government standards should apply to every student. Both are incorrect assumptions. Nonviolent and white-collar offenders should be rehabilitated. Parents and kids should have uh, choice and options in education. One size does not fit all. This is something – this would be one of the easiest things that, that uh, they could do in the prison system, and likely they won't be doing it. But this is one of the easiest things they can do. And, and when I was in prison, I said this uh, you know, ahead of time. There should be three different types of, of prisons. They should have prisons for violent offenders, prisons mm-hmm. for nonviolent offenders, and prisons for sex offenders. Um, that way, they're they're hmm. sep- yeah. they're separating people with different motivations, different uh, you know, personalities from each other. Because I remember. Uh, a- oh wait a minute! What kind of prisons would go in a sex offender prison, or what kind of prisoners would go in a sex offender prison? Well, the the people that they sent sentence for sex offenses. Well, because I'm most saying, sex offenses are garbage. Look, I'm not saying that sex offenses aren't garbage. I'm saying this is an easy solution to um, some current problems that we have. Well, if we're going to be proposing pie in the sky, I mean, if we're going to be proposing pie in the sky, then we shouldn't be proposing something that we don't ideally want. That's not I mean, pie in the sky. It's not pie in the sky. They're not going to build three different types of prisons anytime there soon. There are seventy something different prisons in Florida. They're not building any prisons, Ian. They're shuffling convicts. I see. You're saying they should reassign people to different places. That's all. It's I simple. They reassign people. They've got old men prisons. They've got young men prisons. They've got women's prisons. You know, obviously they assign people for different reasons. It would be relatively easy. They have actually what they call a psych three prisons, where mm-hmm. you've got to be nuts and and or <laughs> nuttier because they're psych four, um, as I recall. So they've got all kinds of prisons where they split people up, and especially in a state like Florida or Texas or California, where they've mm-hmm. got a, you know a multitude of prisons. Some prisons are split amongst themselves where convicts you know, from the East Unit never go to the West Unit. This is easy. Easy. I'm not saying we don't okay. need lots and lots of revision. In, I'm just Got saying it. that there's something that's easy. Anyway, uh, number, six. number six. Both are unnecessarily expensive to taxpayers. Oh, yeah. Because politicians generally fear comprehensive solutions to problems, they end up throwing money at whatever doesn't work right. Yep. This is true um, to disastrous effects for both prisons and public schools. To whom the allocation of taxpayer largess is tantamount to buying Italian leather love seats for the deck of the Titanic. <laughs> Seven. Both harm American competitiveness by keeping Americans from being productive. In prisons, felons can't vote. Even if they are nonviolent, except in Oklahoma, uh, at least <laughs> ten years ago. Even if they are nonviolent and otherwise productive citizens, in schools, poor education inhibits upward mobility. Encourages dropouts and breeds criminals. In many prisons, um, you can't earn any money at all. The prison I was at, there were five or six people earning cash, and I was the top of the, the tier at $75 a month. How am I going to put money away for, uh, you know, making it on the streets? They kick a guy out with 100 bucks. Wow. That's it. Yeah. What, what, what are you expecting from these guys? Hmm. If you don't have a family system, if you, uh, you know, you got you, nobody, yeah. It, right. If you don't want to go to some kind of Christian uh, halfway house that they have out there, you're really in trouble. Mm-hmm. Got to start selling some drugs, then, turning tricks. 
Stealing. Stealing, yeah. Both are institutions often internally ruled by intimidation and violence. The toughest, most callous inmates become the leader of the prisons. In prison slang, these individuals have keys to the car. Likewise, in public schools, the toughest students become the leaders of the school. They are the bullies or the jocks. Both of these prototypical alpha males are the de facto lords over their peers. Yeah. So true. It's... It, you, when you read Lord of the, that's why Lord of the Flies is so damn interesting because we throw kids together in these unnatural things called schools and <laughs> this is the phenomenon that happens to some extent or another. There are the punish, um, punishment dealers and the trend setters. Number nine, both are. Ruled. I'd like to comment on that real quick uh, because it is a real problem. The idea that these people, these uh, angry teenage males that are big and tough, are lording their way over the, you know, the essentially the the geeks or whatever, the the, the kids that can't defend themselves, that sort of thing. It happens in every school around the country. And I think that if every government school, I think if we had a private school system or a a, a market based school system. If you had kids that were harassing other kids on a regular basis, those problems would be dealt with. Because if I went home as a young, skinny, teenage uh, boy and told my parents that there were some toughs that were threatening me at school, if it was government school, very little would ever be done about it. But in a private school, my parents could go to the private school and say, hey, if you don't take care of this situation, we're going to pull our money from your system. And that would be the incentive that would be necessary for, the, for these private schools, these market schools, to rearrange their services in whatever way necessary, to, to restructure their organization in whatever way necessary, to ensure that people are safe at their schools. But the government schools don't have that incentive. In many cases, government schools, if uh, the, you know, some tough guy starts a fight, both kids are suspended. Even if, if, if all you're doing is defending yourself, you get suspended. So there's no real way to win in the government school system. There's still fights in private schools. I certainly have them in my school. Uh, There was certainly bullying that went on. Uh, Probably most of it was verbal, but I. you know, I, don't, I, I just feel like those problems could be solved better in a market-based school system, especially if there were more market-based. What schools. I never saw was sort of the gang violence kind of situation. I was intimidated by you know groups of people in public school. Mm-hmm. I was only intimidated by one guy or something like that in private school. Number ten. Number nine. Both nine, are ruled oh. by cliques. The clique pr- uh, provides security in a scary and uncertain world. It also allows people to form a lasting bond between peers with similar interests or backgrounds. In prison, cliques are formed between the races. A member of a clique knows that he'll be protected by his fellow associates. If he's if he is associated by someone in a rival, excuse me, accosted by someone in a rival clique, cliques commonly form in public schools as well. Do you have time for ten? Yep, um, both have tenure. Uh, both have tenure regulations not conducive to improvement in public schools. Tenure rules make it nearly impossible to for get rid of to, bad to, teachers. Yep. Absolutely the case, and probably the same thing with bad jail guards. All right, we're done. It's Benny in here with you. And Mark. Back tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Well, I was thinking the, uh, the the reason for today's interview is with uh, Scott Barton from the um, Institute for Humane Studies. The reason for it is to sort of expound on the the advertisements we've had for the libertarian internships at libertarianinternships.com. It sounds really exciting. It does. It um, you know surprisingly uh, they. It, 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 they have stipends, they have housing allowances, all kinds of stuff. So I, I want to find out more about these uh, these these internships. So Scott, are, are you there? Yes. 
Great. <laughs> um, you have several different types of internships, uh, including broadcast and print journalist, production, um, public policy. Uh, tell us about uh, some of the different programs. Okay. Well, uh, you mentioned the, uh, the big three. We have our public policy internships, which we call the Coke Summer Fellow Program. Mm-hmm. Now, does that uh, include working for the government, or is that uh, mostly for think tanks? And, um, and it's mostly for free market think tanks. Okay. We do have uh, a couple of uh, placements in government organizations, but by and large, it's free market think tanks, both in Washington, D.C., and at state-based think tanks located in state capitals. I know that... Uh Mises uh, is not in you know Washington D.C., but I'm, I'm, I imagine that that's one that uh, you know folks probably want to go to. Um, what are some of the what are some of the think tanks? Well, we have big organizations like Cato Institute, American Enterprise Institute, mm-hmm. uh, smaller uh, boutique think tanks like the Progress and Freedom Foundation, National Center for Policy Analysis. At the state level, we have uh, think tanks like the Mackinac. Center for Public Policy in Michigan. Mm-hmm. We have uh, the Beacon Hill Institute in Boston. Heard of them. Pacific Research Institute in San Francisco. Organizations like that. And right now, we're uh, for the state-based internships. We have places available in uh, about 30 states. Wow. So you could conceivably be within a driving distance of, of home and do this. Oh yeah, definitely. That's one of the main benefits. You, you can either come to D.C. where we provide housing. Or you can, you know, stay at home, work at your state-based think tank, or, you know, live for the summer in your state capital where we'll provide you a a housing allowance. Cool. And, you know, these are – all this money is coming from what? Good libertarian folks that want to have, you know, uh, libertarians in government? What's – I'm sorry, Mark. Is this uh, about government or is this about think tanks? Well, the think tanks, I guess they're kind of – they're the the think tanks. They're training people for public policy, right, to some extent? Yeah, tra- the, it's all about training to be able to analyze public policy at a high level. And so the goal of these think tanks is to be able to contribute to the public debate on on, uh, on public policy issues and hopefully offer some free market solutions for um, our current policy problems. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> and um, let's, do you, you give them a, a $2,000 stipend for this, uh, housing and travel allowance, tuition and travel allowance for career development workshop, um, Books, of course, you get networking mm-hmm. opportunities, um, and, and uh-huh. this, this, these placements go year-round, too? No, this, the public policy is just in the summer. Okay. Um, and one, of the, one of the reasons for that is another main benefit I should mention is that at the beginning and the end of the program, we bring all the summer fellows to Washington, D.C., where we have um, workshops about uh, libertarian philosophy, uh, public policy analysis, um, that's where we do a lot of our career development workshops. So it's a great time to both, you know, learn about libertarianism, meet other, you know, libertarians who are fellows in the program, and uh, learn a lot and you know, network with uh, policy professionals that we bring in as speakers. Cool. Um, uh, I'll be I'll be honest with you. Policy doesn't really interest me too much, but I think what's really <laughs> exciting here is the media opportunities because then you can influence other people as opposed to just politicians who really I don't really feel like they care much about. What, well, you know, you've, you've got you've got to work at all levels. I understand yeah. what what you're saying on this, but you know, there's um, print and broadcast journalist uh, j- journalism internships. Now, where do, do do you guys have placements for these kids, or do they do they pick their um, papers or um, TV? 
places? You can, you can do it both ways. We have um, an already existing network of places people uh, can intern, places both, as you mentioned, in print journalism, in broadcast, uh, as well as through our production internship program at film companies. Or um, we encourage people, it actually helps in your application. If you go out, you can find an internship in your own that maybe IHS doesn't know about. Um, you can bring that to our attention, and it'll, uh, it'll a, lot of, a lot of times it increases your uh, chances of success of getting the internship. Basically, the, uh, my experience is, uh, you know, having worked in both print and, uh, and broadcast, that the internship is where you make it. Um, if you are the you know, you you make the noise and get a hold of the right people. You you'll, you can create your own internship. Um, they'll they'll do something for you. Have you found that to be the truth? Sure. Yeah, we've had several of our interns in the past who um, propose that sort sort of thing at a place they want to work, and then a lot of times the organization says, "Well, that plan sounds great. We'd love to have you. We can't pay you anything," and that's where IHS comes in. We can. We, we can offer you the, the same funding, uh, the stipend, housing, travel. Uh, we uh, subsidize travel to one of our summer seminars, either our journalism seminar called Journalism in the Free Society, mm-hmm. or we have a seminar on popular culture called um, Cinematic and Literary Traditions of Liberty. How long are these seminars? They're a week long. Uh. Um, just like we do for the public policy people, uh, the seminar integrates both education about libertarian ideas as well as application of those to um, either journalism or popular culture. Hmm. And so you, you go to a college campus for a week. IHS provides all the meals, all the, um, we provide the speakers, we offer free books, and it's just a time to learn a lot from our excellent faculty. You get to meet all the other people we've brought into the seminar, and it's just a, it's just a time to really... Um, really focus on, on these, these ideas and, you know, how, how exactly are we going to communicate these ideas to these wider audiences. It sounds like an amazing opportunity and uh, one that I was completely unaware of back when I was getting an internship in a radio station 10 years ago. I don't even know if it was – how long has this been going on for, Scott? See, we started our journalism internships in 2001 and then our production in 2003, so they haven't been around that long. What are some of the, the um, stories? I mean, do you know of any of the, the people that have come up to do one of these courses and then go on to intern somewhere? Or do you have a success story that you can tell us? Oh, sure. Yeah, we have, we've had several interns who've been uh, hired by their papers after their internship. Uh, we have a couple people um, in Brownsville, Texas, just... As an example, we have a great paper that we work with and right there who's hired two of their IHS interns. Hmm. Um, we also have lots of interns. I think, at least on the film side, I know about a third of our former interns are working in the film industry. So whether or not you're hired by your internship, it's still a great launching point for, for a career in that industry. Some people might think that interning is uh, is a crapshoot, but I remember what I was told when I got my internship in radio, and that was that... They hire the interns that know how to show up on time. I mean, pretty much that's all it really takes is to show up and have a good work ethic, be on time, and then down the line when something opens up, you're the go-to person to fill that position. Yeah, they've already gotten used to seeing your face at that right. point, you know. Um, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's right. Internships, we found that's just a lot of what you make of it. Um, if you show up, if you do good work, if you, know, if you add value, you're going to be seen as a real asset. Uh, so so many interns come in and see it just as an excuse to, you know, live somewhere else and 
not really work very hard. But um, if, you, if you take a more proactive attitude, it, it can really get you places. Yeah, it can actually, it can absolutely be that if if, if somebody wants to to do the, the 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 foreign exchange student kind of thing, you know, go live yeah. someplace for a, you know for a little while away from the parents. Sure, man, you can do that. Um, it, some people probably may very well find out that the you know, broadcast isn't as glamorous as I thought. I, I'm going to go into chemical engineering. They, they may find out that it's not the right thing for them or, sure. or whatever. But, it, you know, for employers, the, 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 the bonus of interns is you get to have somebody that you pay very little and see how trustworthy they are and um, whether or not you want to take the time and training and, and uh, all that stuff in hiring them. And I, to me, that's how it's always been. So people can go to libertarian yeah, I mean, internship. I'm sorry. People can go to libertarianinternships.com to get signed up for this, right? Yeah. Uh, all you do is go to the website. We'll have uh, links to the online application for each program, and uh, we definitely have applications for the uh, public policy internships and the production internships up. And the journalism is coming online soon. We have uh, spring internships for journalism and film, which have um, a December 1st deadline. And then the summer deadlines are uh, January 31st. Is this only open to college students? This is a point of clarification. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, listeners that might be getting ready to graduate high school or maybe in their senior year of high school. Uh, is it only for college and just recent college graduates? Or what are the, what are the requirements as far as uh, qualifications to get involved? Yeah, we generally require that people have at least a year of college under their belt. Um, I see. It just uh, lends a little bit more experience and makes you a, a better candidate, you know, a better a better intern down the road. Not to say that if they got a hold of them, that would be a waste of time either. I mean, you know, they can oh, not be, at all. they no. can be mentored along to, for the uh, for the next year's program. Uh, Scott, before you go, I wanted to ask specifically. There's um, a section in here that says uh, film, animation, or video game production. Y- you put people in video game production. I mean, uh, what what's going on there? We have we have. Um, we have one company who does video game design, and um, the theory is theory of those kind of internships is that you get to work with you, you both get to learn the mechanics of exactly you know how to design video games, the technical aspects. But you also get to work on the story of um, mm-hmm. designing. You know what, what's the narrative that that particular game is using? Um, what, what are the characters and the plot all about? And so you get to work with both of those aspects. Yeah, there was a um, there was a game that came out relatively recently um, that was kind of based on uh, Ayn Rand's uh, books or something like that. So, you know, they, they, certainly the, these storylines are um, they're important, and, and the movies movies are uh, excuse me, uh, video games are making more than movies these days. So uh, they're getting a lot of eyes, and I I think that the storyline is important. Yeah, that's that's really IHS's. Um aim in doing all, uh, all of these internships is to really, anywhere that we have an opportunity to educate people and get them into careers where they can help be a part of that conversation where they're telling stories, um, stories that are, you know, favorable to liberty. Um, that's, that's our goal is to, to really change, change the, the opinions out there about and the narratives that people tell. Cool. It sounds like a lot of fun. Mark, did you have uh, other questions? No, I think that's it. I think we've uh, sort of uh, cleared it up and, and gotten uh, people some idea of uh, how things are going. So the, the deadline for basically getting uh, in for um, – it's, it's the winter one is uh, November 1st, right? Or spring, excuse me. Yes, for the spring, December 1st, 
um, for the summer, uh, January 31st. And oh. I think we have some early deadlines in November for uh, early placement in the summer. Gotcha. Well, you want to be you want to be early because then you'll get the you know the, the the pick of the spots. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we make all decisions on a rolling basis, so applying early is definitely in everyone's benefit. Very Excellent. Good. So people can go to libertarianinternships.com to get signed up, get involved in this. It sounds like a really great opportunity to get your feet wet in the world of media or, as uh, you discussed earlier, public policy, but get your feet wet in uh, the realm of broadcast and print journal uh, print journalism and and who knows, make some interesting contacts, get a little bit of uh, cash at the same time, have some fun. It sounds like a Some good win-win. seminars there at uh, George Mason University. Likely, that's where they're doing it. Is that, is that right, Scott? They're actually held all over the country. Oh, are they? Yeah, so we have, we have lots of options. The ones I mentioned specifically, uh, the, poli- the, in, the seminar for the policy internships is in the D.C. area. Um, and then I think the locations for the journalist and um, culture seminar have yet to be determined. They'll be on our website soon. Okay, cool. Well, thanks very much, Scott, for clearing some of this stuff up. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's people getting a hold of you. And, and if they, you know, as, as far as the uh, listenership, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Well, that's great. I look forward to reading some applications. Thanks, thanks for coming much. on the program, Scott. Have a good night. Bye.